Welcome to Live Rounds Episode 7. We took a week off, and uh, this is my birthday week. I got to see Fast 9, so um, screw you haters. I enjoyed it. And, uh, you know, I'm at the point now where, like, this whole, like, it wasn't realistic. It was too cartoonish. And, I, dude, I don't care. As long as it's entertaining and it's not full of, like, a woke agenda or a bunch of politics, just, like, a fun movie, like, I am down. So I enjoyed it. Um, I'm a sucker for John Cena as well. So I thought that, that he did a good job. And uh, the backstory between him and Dom is interesting. Um, so, yeah, it was it was good if you're a fan. But it does go too far. It absolutely goes too far. <laughs> and you're watching this and you're like, are they really about to do this? And then they do it and you're just like, yeah, that's bad. Like, that's definitely <laughs> bad. So I can definitely see why people would just – because there's a there's a thing now where people like to – lump something into a category so like like the revolution pay-per-view for example because the exploding barbed wire match did not go as planned the whole pay-per-view sucks but that wasn't the case do you know what i mean and it's kind of like that so like one bad spot in the movie people are like yeah the movie was terrible not necessarily it's just one bad spot in the movie so yeah it is what it is. yeah i have not seen the ninth one yet i'm still I might have found someone who can send me Hobbs and Shaw. They have a, I found one of my buddies has like the Blu-ray and he says he doesn't think he ever used the, uh, the code, the code. for it. Yeah. So um, I got to see Hobbs and Shaw still. I got to see F9. Um, I do have a list of rankings for all of the Fast and Furious movies up to this point, though. If you want to hear them real quick, I won't yeah, like, I mean, go in detail. Why not? Um, so no, So I have eight of them ranked as of right now. Uh, the last rank, starting at number eight, the worst I thought was Fast Seven. That was the last one with Paul Walker. Yeah. Um, I have uh the fourth one, Fast and Furious, at number seven. Uh, because that one was the one where like I just couldn't get over the whole like you haven't seen each other in five years and like it's like it's like nothing, no time has passed at all in any no way time has passed. Plus the big twist, like I figure it out immediately who like the main bad guy was and like didn't even realize it was a twist. We talked about that before. Number six, I've got Fast and Furious. Oh, the Fate and the Furious. Uh, the Fate of the Furious, rather. Uh, the, the eighth, eighth one. one. Yeah. And that one's as high as it is, mainly based on the um... I can't remember why I like that one. Oh, yeah, because the J Jason Statham is actually pretty badass in that one. Like, yeah. I can see why they were trying to shift it more into like an action type film the more he got involved yeah um and then number five i have fast and furious six which i have ranked as high as it is because the gina carano heel turn i didn't yeah. expect i yeah. was like okay that actually like they got me i gotta give them credit for that right um and that was also the one that was piggybacking off the fifth movie which i thought was really good um and also that was a big problem with the fourth one that just seemed like a big advertisement for the fifth one the whole time um then we get to number four, all the way up to number four, Fast and Furious Tokyo Drift, which actually could be ranked higher, potentially. I just rewatched that yesterday, actually. And um, I think Tokyo Drift is way better now, in hindsight, because now you know more about Han, and it all makes a lot more sense if you'd seen the movies leading up to Tokyo Drift in the timeline. Number three, I've got Too Fast, Too Furious, just because I thought it was a solid movie and it was a good sequel. 
Uh, number two, I've got Fast Five. I think that was the best like action movie of the whole movie. And I think that was probably the best overall movie of any of them. Yeah. And then number one, I have the original. I just think it's it's a, it's the most realistic. It's it's like an actual story that like makes total sense. Um, and then it spawned obviously all these sequels. So, uh, so that's where I'm sitting. So my list is dramatically different. Um, <laughs> so if we're gonna go from worst to best, uh, I don't have this on the list. So give me a second. Um, I have number two. Too Fast, Too Furious is the worst Fast and Furious movie. Oh, really? Yeah, because it, there's no Vin Diesel. If you don't have Dominic Toretto, <laughs> like it's just it's not it's not what you what we're going for here. Um, and then number the second worst is Tokyo Drift, just because I'm attached to the original cast no matter what. Yeah. So that if it's not on there, it's not the same. Um, then seven Fast Seven would be the up there, and then. Uh, Whew. Um, then four. So where am I at now? I, I'm not sure. But uh, after that would be um, would be the original, probably. And then it's going to be eight. And then fast five, fast six. And I don't even know where I'd put nine. But anyways, fast five, fast six. Fast six to me is the best. So that's what's going on. There you go. We're just ranking uh, Fast and Furious, Brandon. So yeah, just ranking the movies. I've, I've I hadn't seen Hobbs and Shaw yet or the ninth one, but well, um, so I asked my wife what her favorite was, and she never gives an opinion on anything. So um, she said that Hobbs and Shaw was her favorite, and I was like, well, what about the actual movies? She liked eight the best. So, oh really? Yeah. So it just I, it's all over the place, and I think that that's why they keep continuing because it just keeps attracting different people and things. And I know you're not a Marvel person, but like to me, I feel like this thing is going to end Marvel style, where it's going to have like one big baddie that's almost impossible to beat, and they have to bring back freaking everybody. So and you said you just watched. Right. Well, who knows? Honestly, oh, that's the, true. They the might things, be able to. He, like, he's his character is alive, so right. I I don't know what they'll try to do. I, I once again, I'm only to the. I've watched through the eighth one, and like he, up to that point, he was. So it sounds like he like they're still talking about him, like he's still alive. They yes. can show like the back of his head. It was weird though in the seventh one because you could clearly tell when it was CGI. Yes, like that was a little creepy. I'm not gonna lie. But and that was his brother, so you know, yeah. So here we go with Brandon. Brandon's got an interesting. See, yeah, see they're all over the place. See, I need to rewatch Too Fast, Too Furious because I have that ranked really high. But uh, like, mm-mm. but I, I also think it's one of the worst. See, I haven't. See, basically, I watched the first two like a couple months ago because I'd seen those when I was younger. But then I watched the rest of them all within like a week or two. Um, all the rest of them. Then I went back and rewatched Tokyo Drift. And like I said, I thought that was way better when I rewatched it. But I haven't yeah. rewatched the first and the second one again in a minute. So, like, I don't know. Because, like I said, I, th- I thought the first one was the best overall one um, just because it was the most realistic of them. But I also understand, like, 
like I said, because I know Brandon's coming in late. I had Fast Five as my second, the like the second best one of the yeah. franchise. Like I, six, I thought six it was and really five, good. six and five to me are, are right there. Like those I are need, the two best. I need to rewatch six also because I watched all of them so many in a row that like yeah. some of them I probably didn't like as much because I had watched like two other Fast and Furious movies before the right. one that I didn't like as much. You know what I mean? Because at that point. Because I also zone out during a lot of like the the racing and action stuff because it's all just so the same to me that like yeah. I want them to get back to the story and I just feel like the racing's almost filler at this point, which is so backwards because I like the originals because it was about racing. Like yeah. and that was another thing that I liked about Tokyo Drift when I rewatched it. I was like, this is the last time this is like really about racing. Like, and yes. then it just becomes something totally different. I haven't watched Tokyo Drift in a long time. Was there an Asian kid that he'd be friends as well, besides Little Bow Wow in Tokyo Drift? I mean, besides Han also? That- yeah, besides Han. Like, a like just like an Asian kid he meets, like, in school or something. I can't remember. Is this, like, an allusion to the ninth movie or something? Yeah. 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 Okay. And I, I gotta- don't remember him, but he's in there. Okay, I have to. I have. I, mean, I literally just watched this movie yesterday. I can't okay. remember. I mean, he there was the girl who was yes, like the, the other gaijin that he, you know, falls. The first girl who who pays any attention to him in Japan is obviously the one that he wound up with. Right. Um, I'm not sure who that guy. So Brandon doesn't know who that guy was. Yeah, uh, and, and that's like why I said, I'm not sure either. That's why I'm asking you because I haven't watched it in a long time. Well, and I and I know like just because of the internet, like I know uh, Friday Night Lights guy comes back, and I know that Han comes back. I don't need to know how yet. I'm so I'm gonna see the movie. Yeah, yeah, but yeah, it's, yeah. But it's like I'll tell you this: Bow Wow is back. Oh, they actually brought Bow Wow back too. Yep, Bow Wow is back. Like the whole the whole group. So if you're a fan of Tokyo Drift, then you'll definitely get a kick out of some of it. So this movie, like. Yeah, so Tokyo Drift sounds pretty important to the ninth movie. It's become way more. I I really feel like that they thought that like that they were able to go and look back and be like, we've got to make this movie important. How can we incorporate these storylines to make this thing kind of flow a little bit better? And they ended up doing it pretty well. So I give them credit. Yeah, I wonder, I because I'd have to see the guy you're talking about from that was like from Tokyo. Oh, here we go. I was thinking it was the guy who fought Sean in school, but I'm not sure. That dude, yeah, that was the dude with, like, the neon hair. Who, But he was, like, in DK's squad. It wasn't DK, was it? Like, the guy who was the bad guy in Tokyo no. Drift? No, Um, Yeah, see, that's another thing. That, I mean, I don't... Does he resurface? Because, like, we never saw that guy again, but it was, like, that guy got banished from his own country because of these guys. Like, he, yeah, he would, know. like, be pretty pissed off and, you know want some revenge or like you'll know, actually join the Yakuza or something and like come after. Cause that was the whole thing with Tokyo drift. Right. It was like, all right, y'all, I know that I know Han owed you some money. So here's a bag so, of money. So that guy was DK, but it wasn't him. I, I don't know, Brandon. I, what I'm do not, you mean? I, it wasn't, it was DK, but it wasn't him. Like a different, they used a different actor for him. Maybe. That was, that happens sometimes too, dude. I was watching I, I shouldn't even admit this. I was watching uh, the second Johnny Tsunami movie recently oh just to God. like, well, I had to see because I, I, I love the feel first like one. that you have found like a niche of like maybe like 50 movies, right? And <laughs> nothing else matters. Yeah, and for exactly. like to break that wall <laughs> to get you to try to watch something else, 
is like an act of God. Like, well, man. so so the original Johnny Tsunami is great, but I never really like watched the second one. I just figured it was ass because so many of those sequels are, especially for like a Disney Channel original movie. They completely replaced his black best friend. Like, like it was, it was like a light skin. Like, it didn't look like him at all. Like, I was wow. like, this isn't even close to the the in the original movie was the guy who played Jet Jackson. I'm pretty sure on the on the TV show on the who killed Channel. himself. Yes, that's right. I forgot. Yeah. yeah. Um, but R. like the, in the second movie, it was a totally different fucking guy. Or sorry, I don't want to get us demonetized. It was a totally different guy. Like, not didn't look like him at all. Have you seen the Mission Impossible, Steven? I, I like when I was younger, I saw the first one. Dude, it's just not Tom. That's another thing. Tom Cruise, I can't, I can't like suspend my disbelief enough with Tom. What Cruise. do you like, mean? Like the guy's literally like hanging on a plane and they're filming it. Like the man is psychotic. Uh, I don't like, know. Like he does his own stunts. He's nuts. Yeah, he gets hurt all the time, doesn't he? Yeah, because he I'm refuses to cool. admit. <laughs> he refuses to admit his age. He re, he just won't age. Or his size. Isn't he like five foot nothing? Like plays yes. like plays like badass like big dudes. <laughs> but like seriously, Mission Impossible, <laughs> like all of them are like amazing. They're really good. I, I'm sure and they, they just I mean, keep getting better. And it became kind of the same thing of Fast and Furious, but it's a lot more like realistic, I guess you would say, or not like uh, so much like cheesy action. 90s flick type stuff like it's it's more of a james bond an american james bond type thing that has gotten so big on scale it's, it's yeah. really good i mean i'm sure that i mean they keep making them like so i i assume that they're pretty good if they keep coming out with more of them like, like, last, like last... movies of the year type movies too when they come out like they're awesome the last bond movie i saw was like it was the newest guy but it was like the first one he did. Yeah. Um, where like the, he's like his girlfriend in that one like drowned or something at the end. I yeah, know. I don't know if it's Skyfall or he's done like five of them at this point, and they're yeah. they, they've been pushing back this last one. I watched um, the Tomorrow War. That was pretty good with Chris Pratt. Oh yeah, Star Wars. That was a, it, that was a Amazon exclusive movie, and basically it's like aliens thing craziness has come to the planet in the future and we're losing the war so we've created like a time machine to automatically like put in a draft for anybody in the united states to be selected to try to fight these aliens to kill them off because we're losing in the future so Mm -hmm. it's pretty interesting it was pretty dope yeah unrealistic and craziness but it was a awesome type action movie that I enjoyed. Did you watch the Tomorrow War, Brandon? See if we still have him here. Yeah, I was going to check the uh, see how many thanks for the thumbs up, guys. Like, everyone, I think we have more thumbs up than we got people watching right now, so <clears throat> yeah, we've, uh, we've scared some people off with all our movie talk. <laughs> yeah, it's all good. I know that it's uh, the NBA Finals tonight, so I appreciate everybody that is tuning in. Um, I guess we can get started on the meat and potatoes of this thing. Uh, do you want to talk wrestling or you want to talk UFC? I'm good. I'm good with either. Doesn't matter to me. Um, I got I got UFC card pulled up though. Like, if you want to start with that. 
Well, like what wrestling do you want to talk about? AEW? Yeah, just the Dynamites. Um, and then I was going to talk about some of the GCW guys. And not just that, some of the independent people that I've noticed that I think are really good. And because uh, I've definitely done way more of a deep dive. You know, like I was at the point to when this GCW card was announced that I didn't really know like anybody. Like I knew a couple names here or there, but like I literally know that whole entire card now. Like I know everybody that's on it. So um yeah, so so whatever you want to talk about, I'm I'm cool with. Yeah, let's start with that then. Like yeah, um, indies. So first off, the VXS show was pretty dope. And uh what did you think of what do you think of Davey Richards in twenty twenty one? I think he still looks great. He just like he just like physically looks a little bit older, but that's really yeah. like <laughs> he's still fine in the ring. Like he's and he's serving like the purpose that he's like that he's out there to do. Like you can tell that this run, I think he's gonna get a lot of shine in MLW. That is too. But I think in the indies, it's gonna be a lot of him doing what he did with Jordan Oliver, like putting over yep. you know, the next generation of, of indie guys that looked up to him. So I'm I'm all for it. And I'm pretty sure, like, I'm pretty sure he lost to Casey Navarro. He lost to Jordan Oliver. Him and Gresham is going to be sick at Warriors Wrestling. That one made my eyes pop out a little bit. And what I've noticed, so kind of what I've noticed with Davey's style, too, is that it's like it's like that same ROH style, but like a 20-minute match instead of a 35-minute match. So it starts off with like chain wrestling, submissions, breaking body parts, then the kicks and stuff like that, more physical, and then it kind of ends. And I'm just waiting to see Davey in like that 35-minute war. You know what I mean? And I think he's building up to that. I think he's just getting his feet wet again, as you say. Um, but, I mean, dude, he's he's all over the place. Like he's got Alexander coming up. Um, he's got Brian Keith in new texas um like he's he's uh and then mlw as well so but i do think like he's gonna be a pretty big feature on mlw like i don't think he's there just to you know be on the card every now and then like no yeah it's it's pretty clear like they're because they got battle riot coming up this weekend right which is like uh you know the actual battle riot is a 40 man like it's like a Royal Rumble, Battle yes. Royal, over the top rope, pin submit, or or throw over the top type type thing. But also they have a couple other matches. Um, one of them is Richard Holiday defending the Caribbean Championship against uh, King Muertes. And then the only other match that I know of is Davey Richards and TJP one-on-one. So, like, it's pretty clear that, like, I know people have their opinions on TJP, but, like, that'll be a really, really good in-ring match. Like, that's yeah. something where, like, they're going there. I feel like that match is there to showcase, like, to, like, reintroduce the fans that might have, like, not been around or might have forgotten about Davey. Like, you get them in there with TJP. They got they both make each other look like a million bucks. And then, um, you know, Davey's also going to be in the Battle Riot match as well. So, like, right. I think he's one of the favorites to win. Like, I, I, I think the favorite to win is Hammerstone, the opening yeah. champion, because they've been building the champion versus champion thing. But I think if if it isn't Hammerstone, I think Davey Richards has as good as, of a chance of anybody that I know that's going to be a part of it. So and I wouldn't I, be yeah. surprised if like Davey eliminated Hammerstone and then that set up something with them as well or something like that. Yeah, well, and that's the thing. Like you can, that's always a great way, right? With like Royal Rumbles and stuff yep. to set up the future stories depending on who eliminates who and stuff. And the great thing with MLW is 
if they are going to use Richards more as like a like a, almost like a dream match run type thing. Yep. They've got Lee Moriarty and Calvin Tankman yep. and Alex Kane. And like, they got all these young, hungry Myron Reed. I mean, the list goes on and on that it's like, Davey can work with all these people. He's never wrestled before. Jordan Oliver's there. They yep. can run that back. I mean, like there's, there's a lot of great options for him. So um, Tim and Tom Lawler would be great. Like, yeah, I mean, that's, they got sure. a, a, I don't know if Loki's going to be there next season, but if he is, I mean, like there's, there's just a lot of really, really, really good, really good options there. So I think Davies, honestly, Davey taking the time off was probably the best thing he ever did because if he would have just stuck with it and kept grinding, there's a chance that he would have like came and went to like, you know, NXT or something in the last like four or five years, yeah. like something might've happened to like, kind of, where he might be done now instead of like restarting now. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah, no, it's kind of worked out for him. I'm, you know, I know he had a lot of a reputation of like not showing up for shows, but I'm thinking he's kind of getting rid of that reputation when he's literally booked everywhere and he keeps showing up. So I think he just needed a break. I also think he was more injured with his knee than he really let on. I think that that was a huge part. It took like a good couple of years to recover that knee. Um, so I think that that's a big part of it too. I don't know yeah. how long it will last. I mean, he's 37 years old and he, he, he has a very physical style, but, um, I'm just going to enjoy it while I can. And I, I'm just happy that I get to see him wrestle front row in a, in like three weeks, um, against one of Houston's top prospects. Like I, it's dope. So I'm really excited for that as well. Yeah, that uh, that Bo show was actually yes. or Bosch show. I always Paul Bosch. That's how I always I always mess up his name. But I I watched that show. I know you were there live, but I watched it on IWTV and and I know that I don't know if they're doing it in Austin or where, but I saw that Brian Keith and AJ Gray is happening somewhere in Texas soon. And that match is going to be awesome. I don't know if you've seen AJ Gray yet. That's GC. That's G uh, GCW. Oh, that was GCW doing Brian G- Keith yes. and. Uh, but what, in what what state was it not in Texas? It's Houston. Oh, oh, it's it is Friday. In Houston. Oh, oh, oh! I didn't realize that was what I was seeing. I thought it was like an advertisement for something later on. Mm-hmm. Okay, damn. Yeah. That's no, what's up. That's honestly, gonna be awesome. AJ Gray is really impressive. He like he he has a mean physicality that just a lot of wrestlers don't have. A very intimidating presence, and he will hurt you. Like just. And he looks like he's going to enjoy it. Like he, he really, uh, one thing that caught me off guard is he was, he was coming out to like rap music. Right. But yet he had like a limp biscuit jacket on. Oh, he's the best. Yeah. 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 Like he's dope. Um, Yeah. He's so, a huge uh, Limp Biscuit fan. Like he's one. Of, he's like one of us that's like tweeting about Limp Biscuit like regularly. Really? Not, not, not just like when it's like a big Limp Biscuit like, date of some kind like he's always repping Limp Bizkit like he's always listening to that yeah but he comes out to Waka Flocka which is like the perfect walkout song for him because the fans usually will like sing it and rap it with him and stuff like it's nice it's it's awesome and the thing with like Brian Keith is uh is uh, sponsored by Swisher House so like Still Tippin is actually his song but it's like his copyright so they can use it everything they have no problems and he comes out to that so that's dope yeah cuz that's that's like Houston rap you know what i Paul mean Paul Wall right Yeah Paul Wall and um Mike Jones, Mike Jones and uh somebody else i can't think off the top of my head but yeah it's it it definitely represents Houston so it's it's cool and uh 
I actually listened to a podcast of Brian Keith and he was talking about AJ Gray. And he said, honestly, man, like I was just in there surviving. Like that guy put it on me. And, uh, but he also said that the reason that he got booked for future shows that weekend was because of AJ Gray. So, um, it's pretty cool. And Mysterious Q also got added to the GCW card. On yeah, Friday. he's legit too. Yeah, um, he is. Yeah, so like, and he's still kind of, not really under the radar, but still kind of. It's like, you're like, so, I'm, so I'm watching, honestly, I'm watching some of these people and they're better than some people in like Ring of Honor, TNA, Impact, whatever you want to say. Like, they're ready. Like, oh, Rachel, Rachel Rose, Roxy, Mysterious Q, Brian Keith, like they could all be signed to some place right Masha, now. Masha Slamovich is like yes. the best. It's like the best female worker like out there right now, anywhere. I think. Like, like I'm watching her, like, and like she's better than most women's roster on the on even most mainstream TV level. Like she could go to Impact or she go to AEW right now, and it would work. Yeah, I mean, like her and uh, Dana Garcia, Dana Garcia. Had, like, and that was like that was an intergender pure rules match, and it was like it was great. It, there was like not one part of that that I was like, this doesn't make sense, or like the girl versus boy, like this is, or it was like yeah, it was it was just it was like the male and female version of one another. Like that match yeah. was great. Yeah. Um, so I like yeah, I, I think that Slamovich will be a huge huge asset somewhere. Like she she'll fit in in any company. Yes. Um, and then this kind of opened my eyes is like, you just think like, Oh, all the talent is all dried up. You know, they, all the talent's been signed. No, 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 there's a I've lot been, out there. I've been saying that dude, like yeah. I've been telling you, like when, when all those guys got signed, like uh, those PC classes over the last like couple years and stuff. And you were saying that a lot of people were saying, but I mean, it's, uh, it's understandable to, that you would think that, but like, if you, because you have to seek out, the kind of level of wrestling that we're talking about right now. Yes. Like you got to go out of your way to like check out independentwrestling.tv, use code yep. fight talk, um, <laughs> F I G H T T A L K. You got to check out fight TV, shout out to fight TV. Like, and that's another thing too. These, I got to give them credit. Like these services have been great to me. Like, because like fight TV will hook it up now every now and then where the, you know, and you know this, but it's one yeah. of those things where there's some, sometimes it shows that I wouldn't have watched. And right. it was like, Hey, like I know that you you talk about this and blah blah blah. Like, just mention Fight TV if you want to use the code and watch the show. And it's like, hell yeah! Like you want to like if you're gonna give me a code to watch like fighting or wrestling or boxing or something, like I'll watch it and I'll give you a shout out. So like that's yeah, what I'm doing sure. right now. Like Fight TV, they they they've had Fight TV and IWTV have consistently like it's like every weekend. Like it's like for these wrestling, and I don't want this to become like a company versus company type thing at yeah, all yeah. but for all these people that like complain about certain wrestling shows they watch every week like there was probably three or four shows just this past weekend that yep. you probably would, would like something right you know what i mean like like even i know you didn't watch the gcw backyard show i watched but, a lot on twitter like the the clips craziness well and it's and it was a lot of people that you would know now you just wouldn't yep. know under those names right. because they use their backyard wrestling names but right. it was like cole radrick versus colby carino was awesome yeah like and it's like but it's one of those things where it's, it's kind of an, a niche type thing but yeah. if you're if you're a longtime wrestling fan like we are like i see that and i'm like okay is it a little cheesy how they've done this kind of but also 
when I was a kid and I was backyard wrestling in my backyard, nothing would have been cooler than having a ring, a trampling, a pool, a big tree you could climb up all in one spot. Like, yeah. I mean, and that's what they do. Like they're in there giving each other F5s into a, an, an, above, an above ground pool. It's like. Well, and what's crazy too is so like it's, it's also like the future of wrestling to me is so different because I literally feel like anybody can be a wrestler at this point. Like literally anybody, like if you're 17, if you're 12, if you're like, whatever, like it, you can start training to be a wrestler. Roxy started training at 13 years old. And I just don't know though, if the average Joe looking wrestler would be a draw, you know, and, and this is another thing that I'm kind of torn on too, is like literally everybody is starting to be good in the ring, like literally everybody. So it's not going to be able to just be like, well, they have good matches. Literally everybody has good matches. So what other stuff can you offer? You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, that, and that's why I think, because that, and that's the thing it's, it's a lot of it's going to be, be dependent on like where these wrestlers wind up. Cause like on the yes. Indies, a lot of them can do it for, for really for years. I mean, so the, the top tier indie workers right now are making enough that like, you know, I've talked about it before. Certain ones are literally just turning down WWE contracts. Cause it's like, yeah, they make more in the WWE potentially, but like they're already good with what they're yeah. making yeah. and they can be their own bosses and, and all that good stuff. So it's like, they're a lot of them are in a good place. But, but that's the thing when it's like, when, because like, for instance, if you were going to like the WWE, it's going to be such a, a coin flip of like, hopefully Vince likes me. If not, this is going to be a long three years or however long the contract it really is. is. It really um, is. But with companies like AEW, like, I feel like you have a chance in these scenarios because they can take people like, here's a perfect example. Someone like Darby Allen, like he's great in the ring. He's just, there's a lot of people who are as good in the ring as he is, but he's, he also is great in the ring, but he's also a different type of character. Like he's something we haven't really seen before and all that stuff. Someone like Joey Janela, like a really big personality. That's why he's so good for a company like AEW is because he was doing that. And that's the thing too. Like you're kind of getting right back into this scene, like for, for like to be like a fan of Joey Janela, like, kind of at the wrong time because he was main eventing and like killing it on all these indie shows all over the world and like in GCW and stuff. And it's like, he was able to like separate him, himself. I remember like him and David Starr had like a one hour Iron Man match. That was crazy. Yeah. Like, barbed wire. Yeah. Yeah. Right. But like, I, I it's, it's tough for me though, because it's like how many, can you really draw without guys like a Roman Reigns, like a something like that? Like, yes, there's certain, but like you do need your Cody Rhodeses, you do need your Kenny Omegas and things like that. And I just don't know. I don't know what wrestling is going to become is basically what I'm saying. Like, but it's like, I remember in UFC, right? Like all of a sudden Joe Lozon became a star and like, people that you would never think would be legit fighters are like knocking out Jens Pulver and you know what I mean? So it's like, you just never know, but like, it, it's so funny to me that like the world of like, like people, you know, that they're so upset and they feel like 
certain people aren't represented or oppressed and not like watch the indies dude like you there's literally everything and there's more representation than i've ever seen in my life like everywhere and you can even have literally certain shows just for that representation and multiple places like the the opportunities for everybody is way way up than it ever used to be oh yeah for sure absolutely um you know like and that's another thing like the probably the most kind of obvious example of of something like that would be effie yes you know because effie obviously like he's a very over the top yes you know but but i've heard him like i've actually heard him talk about this and i've heard other people like that are close to him say talk about this about him as well and i saw him reaffirming a lot of this he just did um that oral sessions with lita instead of i guess renee young was okay. having her kid yeah um and it's one of those things where he is talking about he's like my goals in wrestling are not to ever work for the wwe or ever work for aw right like he's like i've i'm doing really well in this in this area in this space of wrestling that we've built and he's like he can totally be himself and keep pushing kind of the messages he wants out there and stuff in his own ways and it's like you know, like for him, like he's made it. Like he's he makes yeah. good money on Twitch from from his fans and stuff. I mean, so it's so it really is a place where like, are they it's like it's like too. I I could have swore like Brandy walked by Effie at an airport and was like, oh hey Effie, like they're aware of him and that's fine. But it's like they're okay with not having him and he's okay with not being there. You know what I mean? Like yeah. it's not. It's not like um, because at the end of the day, whatever he wants to do, the the um, AEW also works for a TV network as well. So you cannot just completely push the envelope and just do whatever you want. But you can in GCW, you can in other places. But what what I think the reason I think Effie works is just because he is who he is. Like there's just no fakeness about him he is who he is and people will accept real genuine people even if they don't agree with everything they do or whatever just because they're genuine and they're real yeah for sure and his character works so well because he's a guy who's just super loud and proud about who he is and if there's anyone in the stands that's going to be like a bigot about it like say something like out loud at him like against what he's saying like yeah. he's the kind of guy who can also kick your ass and that's right. like that's why it works so well. And and also, like, to your point, they're, they're definitely aware of who Effie is, a billion percent, because they – or AEW, more specifically, because not to get too into it, it's probably pretty public knowledge, but, like, from what I've heard, Marco Stunt got, like, some pretty serious heat last year when he did the um, – Effie did a, one of the you know, big LGBTQ yeah. plus shows, which big is obviously – brunch or whatever it is. Well, yeah, I mean, he has multiple shows, but, yeah, like that. It might have even been that. And they did some over-the-top stuff, which, like, for that audience, like, they love it. But, yeah, yeah. But because Marco was under AEW contract, I don't think he had – I don't think AEW knew what he was going to be doing on the show. Right. And there's a lot of speculation. Once again, I, I could be – I could be totally wrong. I'm just saying like what I've heard from people because yeah. we're just now kind of seeing Marco like winning matches again. Like it's been like a while. If you pay attention, he hasn't yeah. really been in that involved. Um, and people that I've talked to that 
knows the situation better than I do said that that was like a conscious decision. And some of it had to do with kind of punishment from, from some of that stuff. Well, and I personally um, think they did, uh, they did it with Nyla Rose because she was basically um, saying a lot of inappropriate stuff as like comebacks on Twitter that went too far. And then all of a sudden she drops the title. She gets deep push. She never, she's not wrestling for months. I feel like they did the same thing with her. They just kept it on the hush. So um, they're definitely watching. And like I said, you have to, because you also are, are employed by a, a company that's a corporation of TNT. And it's not, it's not that they may be necessarily bothered by it, but they don't want a W wrestler on YouTube being shown doing crazy stuff. They, they, that, that's not what they agreed to. So, yeah, like I honestly probably couldn't explain what they had Marco doing on that show and still be monetized on YouTube right yeah, now. Like, I can that's imagine. like, it's like, like, um, but once again, it looks like the Joey Janela spring break that one guy that was literally naked in the ring. Like, <laughs> I forgot that, about that. <laughs> that is wild. Like, that match, that cluster F, is literally what it is. And like, if you went to that live, which I didn't, but like, I can't imagine just after it's over, <laughs> your mind of like trying to rethink of everything that you saw because it's just crazy. Yeah, but once so. again, like the like the audience is eat it up because it's one of those things too. Like, I honestly. It's not any better or worse or anything as you could talk about, like, you know, uh, ultra mile on death matches or something like that. You yeah. know what I mean? Like, it's really the same kind of mindset of like, there's an audience for this. Yeah. And they, and like, there's, and they're, and they're thriving. Like, there's, I mean, I've been hearing lately that because generally speaking, wrestlers on the indies will get paid more for a death match than for a regular match because of the risk involved and, you right. know, the, pro the probable medical bills that they might have. Yeah. Um, but, um, but like that scene is really thriving right now, uh, more than it ever, ever really has. Um, yeah. and, and I can say the same once again about like the, like the, um, LGBTQ plus type shows and, and, um, and like for the culture, like, like shows that yep. are specialty shows, like for, yep. uh, you know, certain audiences and stuff. I'm mean, not right. really certain audiences, but like, I know, you know what, what I'm saying. Um, like it's representation. Instance, it's really well, that's what it is. It's representation for that group that normally doesn't get that representation. And I'm glad they do it because, like, for the culture, for instance, yeah, you find a lot of. I mean, a lot of them I'm already aware of, but sometimes right. I'm not. And it's like seeing this. That's the whole point. Is like if this show didn't exist, those wrestlers might not have gotten a chance on on my screen in a different company. And it's like, that's why I, I like seeing. And then also you get to see these guys mix up with like two cold Scorpio and stuff like, yep. like heroes of theirs. Like it's, it's an awesome, awesome, awesome um, show. And it had, you know, um, and AJ Gray deserves a lot of credit for that as well. He was a, a huge part of making the first show happen. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I, I think that, um, yeah, on the Indies, like really, like you were saying, it's, it's, there's opportunity for everybody. And even when I talk about like the, like the big gay brunch and stuff, like there are like out, out, I don't know how you say it, like wrestlers that are out of the closet, like openly yeah, gay, yeah. guys yeah. like Paro and stuff where yeah. like they're really, really damn good wrestlers just haven't gotten a big opportunity on like a mainstream stage, but yeah. really saw Fred Rosser is killing it right now. Like he's doing right. the best work of his career, you know, but like in, in New Japan, 
in he just yeah he just signed in New Japan yeah. and he's been doing stuff with NWA as well. But like in a in a different time, like if he would have come out as gay, that would have been a gigantic his career probably would have been over. You know what yeah, I mean? Like it's for like sure. you know, so it's it's um yeah, I like seeing all the representation as well. And it's interesting to see kind of what does and doesn't trickle to like the mainstream level. Um, but once again, a lot of the wrestlers in those positions are doing fine on the indies as is. So like they're not even really concerned about getting signed. So pretty cool. Yeah, and I mean I also think it is important too that it's not for everyone. And it's cool that like there's a show that's being saying, Hey, this is what it's about. And so make sure if you want to buy a ticket to this, then go for it. But this is what it is. Instead of just going to a normal show and then all of a sudden this all being thrown at you and you're like, whoa, I wasn't ready for this. You know what I mean? Yeah, I'm really big about that with like deathmatch uh, shows. Yes, like definitely. I feel like I feel like you have to know or you should know ahead of time like what you are watching because, you know, there's a lot. I mean, it's very, very, very violent. It's not, it is not, it's that it's pro wrestling, but it's almost like its own category of wrestling. I am going totally to see different. my first death match this weekend. So I'll let you know. I, I mean, a Nick Gage match. I'm, I'm looking forward to it. Who is we'll, it? Who's he wrestling? Uh, Sadika. She's a, oh, yeah. she's the queen of the death match here in Texas. Yeah. So, uh, and dude, like she's, she will take some bumps. Like, She's the one that Dan Moth picked up off the stage and dumped her off the stage <laughs> through chairs. Like she got um she got tackled off the entrance ramp from Dante Leon through like the whole thing of chairs. And she was the loco champion. And Dante Leon beat her for the loco title. So that's who Nick Gage is facing. Yeah, that'll be good. I think I saw Sonica versus um Kimberly, I think, pretty recently. But and like, she, yeah, yeah. But honestly, like, I'm glad I'm not seeing the Alex Cologne Nick Gage match. I think that that will go way too far, and yeah. that would make me uncomfortable. Yeah, it's it's definitely a uh, it's it's definitely a thing. That's for sure. I and mean, what like, I like about the card that I'm going to is that there's not a lot of that on there. There's not the big juiced up dude with the mohawk that's oh schlack yes he's gone oh he's great though he's a deathmatch nutcase and i (laughs) i'm just not into his stuff i don't like your guy atticus coger whatever (laughs) what i'm not a fan like he just (laughs) he takes it too far and he's He's just i it, it it's weird too like nolan um nolan edward he will do some of that stuff too Mm -hmm. but like he's good he can just go you know what I mean? And he's like a really good looking dude too. So it's like, well, they, they put him with that chick. And, that's uh, his real life girlfriend. Okay. Yeah. So like, it maybe they, they're going to start going together as a group. Yeah. It'll be interesting to see kind of what they do with all that. Um, and kind of what no one's immediate future looks like. Cause I've been hearing yeah. a lot, a lot of stuff about that lately. Um, well, and like, I mean, I think Lee is really technical. Lee Moriarty, like really good. Um, but like, I just don't know what a TV company would do with him. Like, he looks really reserved to me, and he even said that uh, on his uh, wrestle vlog thing on uh, IWTV that like he's kind of an introvert. And so, like, I think it, TV would take a little bit for him to get used to. But he definitely can go in the ring. Like, yeah, MLW will like that'll show us quite a bit yeah. about that. 
Yeah. And he'll, and he'll have a lot of really good people to work with on, on that company too. So like, yeah, it'll be, I, he'll, I, he'll kill it wherever he goes, but I know what you mean. He is kind of, kind of like a low key kind of soft spoken yes. kind of guy. Uh, yes. Very polite. Very. Um, like very. I, I remember I, like I misspoke uh, about his signing. I thought he had signed with MLW. Mm-hmm. When like like sign not just. Well, I mean that's fair. Like YouTube ran a thing saying our new guy and leave. Yeah. I mean like it wasn't like it was just some story you heard and you just ran with it. Exactly. And, I, and all I did was like talk about it a little bit on the on the Weekender podcast and um and he wound up direct messaging me and he was like super super polite about it. He was just like, hey man, just a heads up. Like I didn't actually sign. Like, but I and a big re- and he basically said a big reason is because I like to be independent. And that, yeah. and that was really telling for me because I was hearing a whole bunch of stuff about like him and interest that like major companies had in him and stuff. And for him to say that he really enjoys being an independent wrestler and like that he like wanted to make it a point to make sure he wanted, like people knew he hadn't signed, but he, so he'd still be working indies as well. Like, um, but yeah, he's got a really bright future. And there's another really technical wrestler on the indies that you probably hadn't seen yet but his name is daniel makabe he's um i think he's from like the west coast um i've seen him live a handful of times in the southeast uh he's basically like him and him and lamoriarty i think are like those are like the one day one b yeah as far as like technical if you're not counting ring of honor because they they've got like Grisham. Tracy Williams and Gresham and and uh Red Yehi and all, all I like I like Wheeler Yuta. He's great too. He was he won on Dark tonight. Okay. Okay. Yeah. He beat uh Ryan Nemeth. Oh, okay. I I think he's better than Ryan Nemeth, so you can go ahead and yeah. just say you replace him. Have have at it. Um, he, Wheeler's been solid for a while and yes. he's just now like getting his Well another like, thing is Lee Lee said that like he started to take off in twenty twenty. Like a lot of these guys have not really got their full slate of independence in. Like they were just starting to get hot, and then bam, it hit pandemic, and then nothing. So well, and those all those guys got signed by the WWE, like right. Christian and Alex Zane and Ben Carter, yes. and like all those guys. They had to fill those spots like right away. But that, but like I feel like that a whole new crop of guys are going to get signed again. I really do. Like, I, I don't think it's going to take long. I think it's going to be within a year. You're going to see a whole bunch of new people. Yeah, probably. But like, like if thing, you look like, at like Ninja ready. Mac, Ninja yeah. Mac, he worked Mexico, right? Then he has um, GCW in Houston and Dallas. Then he has Mexico again. And then he's flying next week down to Chicago to face Brian Cage. Like it, it's just happening like this. And I was watching him when, like, he was making his uh, debut, him and Cartwheel's debut and uh, Ninja Mac. And it's just been, like, three, four months ago. And, like, just think of the momentum that those guys have already gotten. Oh, yeah. So it's pretty wild. Yeah, that's a big um, – that's a big plus about GCW, like, in particular, that company, because – if you're an unknown, but you can get over with that show, they'll keep bringing you back. And well, and another thing too is go back just a couple of years and watch some of those people that were on that show. And it's like Jungle Boy and you know Joey Janela and way way more people that I can't think of on the top of my head. But like especially the Spring Breaks, you had Riddle and all those. 
And it's like, you probably looked at a lot of these and were like, they never would make it. And they made it. So I, I've seen guys that are just as good that will probably make it down the road, especially like Ring of Honor, dude. If you're Ring of Honor and you really need like a new crop of talent and to get people excited about your product, man, start scouting the indies and sign some of these guys. Well, they, have, they they did that last year, like pretty big time. Like pretty much their entire pure division was indie wrestlers. Yeah. Um, I guess yeah. it's just hard to get buzz when there's just nobody in the crowd. So uh, that's I'm looking forward to That's this weekend, isn't it? Yeah, best in the world's on Sunday. Sunday. I think. It's Sunday. It's not Saturday. They're not they're not dumb enough to go. <laughs> yeah, UFC. UFC. Yeah. That'd be just ridiculous. Yeah, um, and Jeff, shout out Fight TV. I'm ready yes, to watch it. Right. Um and you know, Deppin versus Dragon Lee, that caught my eye. Um, curious to see what Flip Gordon is up to at this point. He's facing EC3, uh, Roosh and Bandito. That is going to be awesome. So a lot of good wrestling this weekend. The two GCW shows in Texas and then ROH, um, on Sunday. So if you guys want something that's different an alternative that definitely is, uh, fun to see, I definitely recommend those. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Independent professional wrestling the best um one of the reasons i think that the indie scene as a whole is thriving right now is because it's on a few it's one of the few affordable things left for a family to go to and uh yeah i mean it's true but you know and thanks chris for the super chat by the way always appreciated um man a lot of those though they're not very family friendly like at the end of the day like guys are dropping f-bombs and it's it's definitely a different experience but i will say if you want to really experience pro wrestling and be like close to the action and have the ability to meet the wrestlers and like really experience it, highly recommend it. Highly recommend it. So for sure. I, I definitely agree with that. When's your next indie show? Uh, The next one that like I'm like planning to go to for sure it's probably in Chattanooga next month. Okay. So I'm trying to get out to more like Atlanta stuff whenever it's around, but it also, it sometimes it conflicts with other stuff. So it's just kind I'm of trying to go to whatever I can without getting divorced is basically where <laughs> I'm at. Like, dude, yeah. it's it so, okay. So I've got GCW in Houston on Friday, Wednesday. I have dynamite. Then the next Wednesday I have dynamite. Ten days later, I have another uh, New Texas show with Brian Keith and Davey Richards. Then I have Dynamite. I might go to the UFC also. So then it would be UFC and then Dynamite. And then August 27th and 28th is the New Texas Pro Wrestling Tournament on two days, Friday and Saturday. RIP to me. And not only that, then that same weekend, there's Fitterman. And they're doing um, their meet and greet show. And that's got Tyson and Kane and Carlito and Sergeant Slaughter. It, it looks like it's going to have Penny Hardaway, which I'm really interested in because as a 90s kid, like Penny Hardaway was the man. I, I, um, remember, I remember the Air Pennies and the commercials right, and all that. Little, little Penny, Penny yeah. and the blue shoes. Like, I, If I get a chance to meet Penny Hardaway, I'll probably take it. Um, 
so yeah, dude, I, I have a crazy summer that that's going down. So we'll see what happens. Yeah. Good stuff. So, um, real quick though, on the Indies guys that have really impressed me, um, that the guy that faced Brian Cage, Shane Mercer or whatever. Oh like, yeah, not totally. No, oh, not right. oh, yeah. I, he looks familiar, but nothing really stood stood out to me. He's also he's on a him and KTB are a tag team called Iron Beast. Okay. Um, and KTB also wrestled on that show. I can't remember who he wrestled though. Um, Kyle the Beast is what KTB is short for. But they they both are not like they do some wild tag team moves and stuff where like, I've literally watched those guys. Like they'll go on the top rope and get guys up in like death Valley drivers, like standing on the top rope and like jump like coast to coast and like, like DVD people like through tables, like on other turnbuckles and stuff. Wow. Like it's, but yeah, Shane Mercer, he's really well known for doing like the, like the, the moonsault while slamming someone with, with Brian cage. Yeah. Like, that's yeah. crazy. Um, that's awesome. But yeah, that was a dope match. That was probably match of the night um, from uh, VXS. But um, he 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 was impressive. Daniel Garcia, he's definitely impressive. I don't think that he really showed well on uh, Dark. Like he's so much better than what he showed on Dark. Um, and I and I don't know if they told him like, hey, you got five minutes, just go out there and do what you can. Probably that, right. Yeah. But like. I've watched a couple of his matches and he's, he's sick. Um, And like, I don't know how good they're going to be, but just guys that I really enjoy watching. I like watching Ninja Mac. I like watching Jack Cartwell. I like watching Dante Leon. I like, um, I like Lee Moriarty. Um, There's, I like Wheeler Yuta. There's definitely guys. And I honestly, I thought Mysterious Q was pretty impressive. And, um, I think that also Brian Keith is definitely uh, he's got a hard hitting style that I think, like I say, he, his goal is to get into Japan. That's where he really wants to go. So um, it kind of reflects that. So I, I liked him. Like I said, I think Roxy is, she can be signed any, any day. She's really good. Um, I think Billy Starks is good, but I think she's going to be really good in a couple of years. So I don't she's think it's 16. Nec- yeah. So I don't think <laughs> yeah. it's necessarily time to jump that ship. Um, but, but I think she will be really good. Yeah. Have, you, Ray- have you seen, have you seen Marcus Mathers, the other, her, her boyfriend, he's only like 17. Also. I saw some of that. I saw Starboy Charlie. They're both pretty good. Like, it's just wild to me. Like it's it's hard because I look at those more as projections, right? Like, it, like they're not there yet, but they will be. You know what I mean? For um, sure. But yeah, there's there's just a lot. Like AJ Gray, I think is really good. I saw some of his high flying stuff, and I really think that he should kind of go back to some of it, not all of it, but just be a little bit more versatile. For a while, that's what he was mainly known for was like being that dude who just like looked a little different than everyone else, but like would do the craziest high flying stuff. Like he actually retweeted something like a video that I, I saw that you saw that that I was from that. like 2017 or something like that. Yeah. And, and I still um, think that he should do some of that stuff. Not all the time, but just but man, like I and I hate JBL. But like I haven't seen somebody with that vicious of a clothesline since JBL. Like it's a it great is lariat. Brutal. And his finisher used to be a uh, Phoenix Splash. AJ Gray. Like he can hit really? those. Yeah. Like I mean, yeah, that's... he's got to do some of that stuff. <laughs> I really think that that would really put him over the top. 
Yeah, he's great. Because I think he gets it more than most at the like character intimidation factor wise. Like a lot of, like like you're never gonna see Lee Moriarty like that, but like he yeah. he gets that part. So um he's been impressive. Uh, I know you've seen Jordan Oliver before. I thought he killed yes. it against Davy Richards. Yes. The only thing that was weird is the height was so much different, right? So he had to like go down and hit him and stuff. But yeah, Jordan Oliver is really, really good. And like if you go back in YouTube, because you know, I started really researching these guys, like <laughs> he's like uh he was like wrestling at like 14 and like maybe weighed like 90 pounds. I mean, just crazy some of these kids that have really put in this thing. And what's crazy too is like <laughs> They grew up watching the Young Bucks, you know, like they grew up watching a completely different generation. There are no more rock stone cold type generations. They're watching that next stuff. And this stuff that like Jim Cornette wants to die is what these kids have like grown up on and want to <laughs> emulate, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And also, uh, I know, uh, I know you like Cole Radrick as well. Like he's yeah. one of my favorites. Like that yes. dude, you know what I was talking about though? He's like the most unassuming looking guy in the world, but like he's super solid from Belgium. Well, Bell. what's cool about Cole to me is like, he just, he can get a connection with the audience. Like he starts clapping and looking around and like people, like you could tell nobody was interested in him until he started wrestling. And then it was kind of like, Oh, who's this guy? You know what I mean? And by the end of the match, it was like, Oh, okay. So I feel like that, uh, AEW does a really good job of doing that. Like even, even like, let's say when Darby lost to Miro, right? Like did Darby really lose any credibility it was more just like you felt like, well, damn, like Ethan Page and Scorpio jumped him the week before and like the, the deck was just stacked too much against him. But you never thought like, damn, Darby sucks. Like right. this isn't, you know, like they just do a really good job where they figure things out and they they just understand how to book better stuff at the end of the day. And like I'm really looking forward to them loading up the deck because that's what they're going to do and see what they what they come out with. And that also makes me talk about MJF and Sammy because I feel yeah. like universally, <laughs> right? People view MJF as like here and like Sammy's like here, right? But I feel like people love Sammy, right? And so MJF's cutting a promo He's talking about how Jungle Boy doesn't belong with him, how Darby Allen, how MJF, the Road 2 show was really good. And you hear Sammy talk, and he's holding his own, but, I mean, of course it's not better than MJF on the mic, right? But, man, when they got in the ring, it was just like, you can't say anything about Sammy not being on your level. Like, it's, it's right here where, like, Sammy's amazing. You can't deny it. And not only that, Sammy put him through hell. And he barely got out of there. He had to have, you know, a chair shot to get him out of there. So it was like they booked it well. It did. Sammy didn't come off his week in any way. And I guess the only thing is I think that they took it too far on the kickouts. I really felt like the tombstone should have put Sammy down. But it's like they just didn't want to give. I, it, even going into that match, I was feeling like, man, how can like, someone just lose clean? Like, they're both on such a momentum. 
you don't want to hurt either one. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I felt like that they delivered a match that both raised their stocks and that they really, they really went out there and elevated themselves. And it reminded me a lot of like rock triple H like where they were both at that intercontinental level and they both wanted to be the guy and it was competitive. And like, you don't know if there's real tension between those two, but there probably is a little bit just because they both want the same thing. They both want the spot. You know what I yeah. mean? Yeah, for sure. I, 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 one thing that I liked about that match so much too, was like going into it and coming out of it as well. Like MJF was the right person to win. Like the chair shot makes sense because of his character and like because of pinnacle and it helps get him more over with what he's doing in the whole group. And it actually helps get Spears over more. Cause it's like, he did something that mattered finally. Yeah. Um, but what's so great about a match like that is that at the point where I remember MJF being on the ground and he was like kind of half sitting up, like telling Sammy not to six thirty him. He's like, yep. he's like, but then Sammy hits it on yep. him. At that moment, I was like, Sammy should win. Like, I was right. like, Sammy should just win. And, and right. once again, like, MJF is the right person to win the match. Like, because of, because I really think that, and I know a lot of fans are on the same wavelength as this. If it happens, it would be great because I think it just makes sense. But Hangman beats Kenny for the title. Eventually, MJF beats Hangman for the title is yeah. like a, what I think would be a pretty great trajectory for, for the belt. And right. so I think you need to keep MJF super protected. But, that match was so good, and they did such a good job of, of telling that story that Sammy could have won that match clean. And I honestly don't think it would have even hurt MJF. Like that's yeah. like that's how that's just a per, like it, neither guy got hurt by that loss at all, and they both came out of it better than when they went in. Like another thing that I think that they did a really good job at is if it was the WWE, I think Sammy doesn't even get this match. Like I think that they're more focused on MJF and Jericho. And if they did do the match, it would just be a throwaway and Sammy would lose no no buildup, no nothing. Yeah. And with this, it was like this was the most organic feud out of all of it. Like I think a lot of people wanted Sammy and MJF more than they wanted MJF and Jericho, even though that's been the real build, right? But like it was it was Sammy was the one that called out MJF and MJF and Sammy's the one that left the inner circle and like that was the buildup. So I feel like that they did a a really good job of building that match and it delivered and and I and I really feel like not nine not 10 out of 10 but maybe like 8 out of 10 man when the stack is when the when this when the the deck is stacked and AEW is built this thing and they have to go out there and deliver they do it a lot and the, usually the only time they don't is if something goofy gimmick-wise happens or something like that. But if it's just a straight-up wrestling match, they usually kill it. Yeah, well, on this show, great another great example. They go out there and kill it. The match is incredible. The whole crowd oh. is going nuts. The, they're about to sign off. You're about to do it. You're about to say it. And then JR calls it WWE Dynamite. And then it was like, here's the thing. I'm not going to sit here. Like, we've we've given our opinions of JR enough. Yeah. Like I, you know, but it's one of these things where it's like, that was so on brand for like, for AEW. It's like one of those things where like, even like somehow something had to go wrong. Like it didn't, like, like why couldn't you just cut it right after that video package? <laughs> yeah, right. 
no more talking. Just the video package. We'll see you later, folks. Because right. the video package was a home run. Everybody was in their feelings. And I think, too, it made people realize, like, like damn, AEW really did deliver some great stuff during this pandemic. Like, the, the, st- the deck was so stacked. And, like, they just went out there and they, they just didn't care. And they pushed through. And, like, you watch that whole highlight – and like I even know some AEW haters, and I sent them that video package, and they were like, I, you know, I'm not gonna lie, that was pretty good. And it's like that is AEW, and it, to have Jr. bring up the WWE of all things is just the ultimate. Like, dude, get off my lawn, old man. You were, you, you clearly don't look at this the same way. And like, if you're going to treat this like the new Japan job or whatever, like it's not the same, man. Like this is different. And I just, how many, how many lives does this man have as a cat? Like eventually Tony Khan has got to look at this thing like, dude, are you serious again? Like, come on, man. Like I, I get that he's a legend and all that stuff. He's, he's the voice of my childhood as well, but damn, man, you, you've got to start to really be invested in AEW or they need to move on. This is ridiculous. Yeah, that was, uh, that was unfortunate that he, uh, that he said that right at the end of the show. Well, and it's like, it's not just that one though. Like it's, no, I know. it's been I know. built up. That's the problem. Like that's what bothered me about Dave LaGreca when he got all mad and he's like, if you're all like that, you're not a wrestling fan of bubble. Like, dude, this is this is happening all the time where he doesn't know guys' names and he's asking um, you know, uh freaking the the other commentators, who's this? What does he do? Okay, sorry folks, we can't keep up the action so fast. And you just he's just basically saying, like, slow this thing down because I can't keep up. I can't tell my story. Um, but it's just it's just so frustrating. But it, I, I do think that it will come to an end eventually, and I don't think it's going to last much longer, but we'll see what happens. Yeah. I don't know his contract. All I think – I just don't see it renewed, in my opinion. But Yeah, I mean, I think that they're going to want him as, like, someone in the back. Like well, he's about to – he's going to do a sit-down interview with Darby and Ethan Page for Dynamite this week, and that's perfect. That's what he should be there for. And I still think he could come out and call – certain matches but like to put that man through a three-hour show of wrestling that he doesn't really believe in it comes across that way like maybe only bring him in for two matches or something and have the big show come in or something. i don't know but like i just i just it, it, and also don't you think it looks kind of like crappy to me where like if you go to a pay-per-view or or you're watching dark right like jr does not come out until the pay-per-view starts like the other guys will come out people will pop cheer for him whatever then jr comes out at the pay-per-view the funny thing is is i can't really tell what fans are thinking about jr in texas because he's from oklahoma and he plays the boomer sooner music and he gets booed every time he shows up there so it's it it, Mm -hmm. it's you don't know their genuine feelings i guess yeah Hogan the super chat Appreciate it, Kogan. Um, in honor of his 25th anniversary today, I think he said he corrected it's tomorrow. What was your experience with Bash at the Beach 1996 NWO for life? Um, I didn't order it. I didn't think much of it. Um, uh, it's what happened on that show that changed wrestling forever. 
and made me start to watch WCW is when I heard Hogan had become a bad guy. That's when I was like, oh, okay, I need to see this. Yeah, I and remember. I, oh, go ahead. No, no, it's fine. I, I was going to say, I like, because I, I remember I couldn't watch the show, but I've been watching WCW. So, like, I was, I was hyped for the match because it was like, I was, I was sold completely on the who's the third man and, all this stuff. And I had no idea who it was going to be. I was so like new into being a fan and I was still like eight years old or whatever at the time. So it was like, but I do remember that it was around the time that we first got, my family got AOL dial up internet. So I remember looking up the results of the show, like on the internet because I couldn't watch it. And I remember reading that Hulk Hogan had turned. And I thought I was reading it incorrectly. I was like, there's right. no way this is right. So I had, but I had to wait until the next night on Nitro to find out what happened. And then when I saw it, I was like, I just remember being completely like, just couldn't believe Hulk Hogan had actually become a bad guy. Like could not believe. And, it, and he had turned on Randy Savage and Sting and and Luger and like my, all my favorite wrestlers and I was like what in the world and I still didn't even fully understand the whole like Hall and Nash like who they were before like I knew they were yeah. outsiders but I didn't see them as Diesel and Razor Ramon so like okay so, but but then when Hogan joined it's like but I know Hogan's from there also and it's like it, you know more of it starts clicking you know and and then I also I remember had a friend who knew more than I did and was my age. And had and had explained to me about a six pack when he came in about how he was the one two three kid and like that I that's when I went back and I started realizing like this is the past of all these people that I'm watching in the NWO now and I started finally putting it together but I, but that I honestly think outside of maybe like WrestleMania one happening and maybe like Hogan slamming Andre at WrestleMania three like this is probably the biggest moment in like wrestling history for like what made wrestling like popular as popular as it's ever been was was yeah. hogan turning heel like this yeah. so yeah because because um, if that doesn't happen wwe attitude era in my opinion doesn't happen to the extent right. that it did for like sure. i still think that they would have eventually progressed into something more about society like but i don't think that it would have ever been at the level um and yeah it, Change. It, it is so funny too because it's just kind of like a low-key show like it's not one of the biggest shows the crowd isn't like eighty thousand or whatever Daytona beach florida yeah it's just you know like but like it was one of the biggest pay-per-views ever and it changed wrestling history for sure and it led to just and, and to me it really solidified hogan's greatness as the goat because if you can be the greatest good guy and the greatest bad guy like who can question it? You know what yeah. I mean? Yeah. Rick completely Rick, changed wrestling twice. <laughs> right. And Ric Flair, you know, like he's, he's great and all, but like, he's a way better heel than he is a baby face. And Hogan, it's tough to argue, man. Like he was a fantastic heel. Yeah. And he was a fantastic face. So yeah, I felt the same way about like Shawn Michaels. He was the only other one that I felt was like because yeah. he was such a good baby face as like the guy, the boyhood dream type yep. stuff. But then like when he was at his peak heel run in like the in like ninety seven, that was like the biggest prick ever. 
And like that was well, and the more you so find good. out about it, like he probably would have had a dark side of the ring tragedy story. Like he was he was completely out of control. Yeah. And part of that makes you great though. Like because you just don't care and you just throw caution to the wind. I remember Davey Richards was talking about because like his match at Death Before Dishonor with Seth Rollins, Tyler Black, mm-hmm. like he's literally just throwing his body into the chairs, just doesn't care. And he said that like he was going through a divorce and he just didn't care if he lived or died, but it made for great matches, you know, like Randy Orton was talking about like him being on cocaine and stuff. Well, Randy Orton on cocaine was phenomenal. Like he was amazing. <laughs> that was evolution days. And that's when I think that he was like at his best. So, you know, it is what it is. And most of the nineties guys to get into character, oh they use a little something, something, oh my God. Big time. you know, like all of our, I shouldn't say all, but most of our favorite wrestlers growing up were on something. Like, well, like I mean, that one video of the WCW footage where they're all like, you know, in the bowl, it's just, it blows me away. Like Sting and Legion of Doom. And that that's a video that should have never been shown. Like, wow. <laughs> wow. That's too much behind the curtain there. Oh, man. Good. Those were the days. <laughs> well, and I remember, too, with WCW by tuning in. Like, guys just kind of went away on WWF, and I didn't watch it anymore. Like, I, I would just watch WWF, and then I watched WCW, and I'm like, oh, that's Big Boss Man, or oh, that's this, or oh, that's that. Like, they're all, they're all here. You like, mean Big Bubba Rogers? Yeah. But it was like, it was like, oh, they, they came over here. I had no idea, you know? So then you're like, well, I'm going to watch this, you know? They got this guy, and this guy, and this guy. So, uh, yeah, I, I I think a lot of it too with WCWs, they just needed eyeballs, man. Like they had a pretty good roster and they had a lot of exposure and they just needed people to tune in and they got it. Yeah, man. I've I've told you this before, but like that's how how strange oh you're not strange, but like how weird it would be for you to have like been in through my eyes when I started watching wrestling. Because like I I've talked about it before. Like I didn't know, like I knew the renegade before ultimate warrior. You know what I mean? Like I didn't know the ultimate warrior existed. Yeah. I was listening. I I listened to your interview with the meal or whatever. Um, Yeah. Yeah. And you were, you were talking about how like it was um, WCW was like, the first thing you saw was dungeon of doom. And I'm just like, Holy crap. Why did you continue watching? Like, that was six. You know, I, I guess it works then. I guess Power Rangers bad, but yeah. like it's it fits. Um, yeah. But see, for us, like we had we had seen like the Warrior, or I mean Hulk Hogan, like feud with the Earthquake in a bitter feud to where we thought Hogan's career was going to end, and then like you're seeing him in WCW, like in some spooky thing facing a shark, and it's just so bad. So you're like, yeah, I'm not watching. But but for you, it's the first time you're seeing stuff. So well, I mean, it's all come full circle now because I could say the same thing right now. But anyone who's watching the WWE that hasn't watched like the Indies or didn't grow up with WCW or like early TNA or like any of that stuff, so like it's the same thing. Where that that's why I'm always talking about how it's a kid show because it's like I I can't really 
Like if I was six years old and I started watching Raw right now, I might actually think that Lily the doll is scary the same way that I thought the Dungeon of Doom was going to kill Hulkamania. You know what I mean? Like, because I was six. Yeah. You know, like that's... But see, like what what WWF did at the time was they like really sold it that like Hulk Hogan could die or the career could be over. And like he would have a sit down interview with Vince and be like, if this is the last one, you know, I had the time of my life. And if you're a kid and you're seeing your hero, like really talk in depth like that, it's like, oh God, you know, this really could be it. I'm really worried for him. And then like he'd come up there and he'd be like, you know, a lot of people want to know my future and if I'm retiring and then he'd just look at the camera and be like, hell no, I'm not retiring, brother. I'm just getting started. When you're a kid, you're like, yeah, you know? So, uh, yeah, it's it's the best. But WCW just kind of was like, eh, whatever, next. Just go on to some crazy, goofy storyline and they just, it was so simplistic in WWF. Like, it was just you good guy, bad guy, you know, what why are they fighting? And then who's gonna win? And WCW, it got so out of control, wild to try to like, <laughs> get people's attention. Well, it's so funny because like when I started when I first started watching it in like 94 or whatever, I remember one of the first things that like really I guess kind of confused me of like of me realizing like there was more to what I was watching was I remember the booty man debuting in WCW who was yes, Brutus but, beefcake, but all they kept saying was like, it was Hogan's best friend from like somewhere else. But like, I didn't know what the hell they were talking about. I was like, why is this guy friends? With, why is this weird guy called booty man? Like, why is he Hulk Hogan's best friend? This makes no sense to me as, as a six year old kid. I remember thinking this and, <laughs> and then like, he also wound up being like the disciple, the disciple. and all that. Well, and that's the funny thing is I remember like the disciple and he was so shredded. Right. And yeah. Brutus Beefcake kind of always had a little beer belly on him or whatever. And uh, so when the disciple came out, I was just like, Oh wow. They got a new badass <laughs> in the NWO. All right. And then when I figured out that it was Brutus Beefcake, <laughs> I was just like, Oh, <laughs> like that's not what I wanted. That wow. kind of sucks. But then I'm like, really? That's him? Because he had yeah. a beard and everything. Way tanner. But I mean, just shredded, right? Like, yeah. oh, okay. Well, that's not what I wanted. So yeah, it's yeah. Uh, good times. Yeah, I, I mean, yeah, I mean, they, they definitely hooked me in. You know, like I, like I was saying, like it just, you know really cheesy stories as a little kid, but then I just started kind of picking and choosing who I liked and who I didn't. And like, just got really like, I knew it wasn't real almost immediately. You know what I mean? It was one of those yeah, things. No. Like I never got tricked into like thinking what I was watching was real, but, but what's funny. Cause we talked about it on the, on the podcast, me, Emil and Moe's how, but even like Emil brought up the idea of like percentages, like what percentage of each company was real and like he had figured in his own head like he's 100% right about ECW though like yeah you you talk yourself into believing that that was real like all the others and that's the way people like would approach you right like dude I found wrestling that isn't fake it's ECW you know what I mean and then you're like really and like I knew people that were like into corn and like into to like 
that heavy metal stage, right? Because I liked Corn as well, but it, it I wasn't like um, you know obsessed uh, in the emo, and I'm all you know wearing Corn shirts and dripped out, whatever. But there were some people like that, and there was one guy I went to high school with that was like that. But he ordered every ECW pay per view. He could care less about the WWE. He could care less about WCW. But he got ECW pay per views, and like it was just it was it was almost for a different audience. And um, and I and and, and that's why I kind of like with GCW. Like I don't know what their goal is. Like are they trying to be big, or are they just happy with kind of touring? And, and landing a place that'll have like 300, 400 people and able to distribute it to make money on pay-per-view or whatever? Or like, are they trying to be like an ECW type and get their own guys and sign them to deals and, and make their own show, but like on an independent market? You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I don't know for sure exactly what their like long-term goal is, but I mean, they've really just branded themselves as like the outlaws of wrestling. Like, they yeah. just, I mean, even to the point where like they're in a legitimate lawsuit against independentwrestling.tv right, right now because like they, like they're such outlaws that they didn't care about like a contract they signed that was like totally legally binding and all that stuff. So, like, which to me is ECW all over again. Oh, I definitely see a, a little bit of Brett Lauderdale, like a little bit of Paul, Paul Heyman and, and Brett Lauderdale. Yeah. Yeah. Which is kind of unfortunate because you want stuff to last, but that that type of stuff doesn't last when it when it comes to business. So when well, he's also like really close to a lot of the talent that he uses, often similar to yeah. Paul Heyman, and you know it's it's. I'm not saying that's a bad and, thing. I, and I saying. think a lot of those guys would die for that company just like they would for ECW back then too. Exactly. So yeah, it's it does kind of feel like history is repeating itself a little bit. But like when I'm starting to see them go to Mexico. New York City, Chicago, like Vegas, Jersey, Texas. Like, what is your goal? What are you trying to accomplish? Because a lot of these indie shows, they just run like a couple of areas that they know that they can keep thriving in. And it seems like they're just trying to go everywhere. Yeah, it's pretty awesome. I mean, I would consider, you know, depending on how you look at like what is an independent wrestling promotion, if you take out anything that's like really like televised, like, you know, you obviously take away WWE and, and impact and AEW and MLW, even even MLW and NWA, even like in ring of honor, if you kind of like take those as its own thing, like GCW, in my opinion is like, that's the number one in like truly independent promotion right now. Um, and so they've, they've, they're doing a really good job. I, like I said before, I don't know how it's all going to turn out with this IWTV thing, but um, assuming that things get worked out with that, you know, GCW, cause you got GCW and like beyond wrestling is pretty high up there as well. Like there's a few that are kind of like, even amongst the Indies are kind of like a big deal now yeah. to be a part of. And GCW yeah. is definitely one of those companies. So, right. Yeah, no, it's just it's it's interesting. It's just, it's interesting to see what their long play is because I don't know if they have a long play and they're just enjoying the ride. That's kind of what I feel like. I feel like that they're just gonna keep going until the wheels fall off. Um, but I mean, they're getting some us. And one thing I give them a lot of credit for too is they don't take a lot of stars. They make their own stars, and that that is really hard in the independent level. Like 
like you look at Evolve, right? Evolve would bring in all these big names and they wouldn't draw very much because it was kind of like, what are you? Like, are you an independent? And then once they signed with WWE, it was just kind of like, you know, like no matter what, even if you have independent shows, you're kind of with them. And like GCW didn't have those names at all. They just made guys. So, yeah, that's kind of like a, it's almost a double-edged sword for them, though, sometimes, because the GCW, it's like, and the why I say it's a double-edged sword is because, like, they're, some of the, they they use a lot of the same wrestlers often. So, like, they bring back a lot. Like, if you watch a GCW show, you're going to see a lot of the same faces from show to show. Yeah, for sure. But Which, is, on one hand, is great because it's, it's, like, building up people that might not be nearly as exposed to as many fans. But then, so, like, on the flip side, though, there are a lot of wrestlers that i like to see get a chance in GCW. But because I don't want to name names, but there are people that work regular for GCW that I really don't think are that great. Like, yeah. They're, you know, oh, yeah. No, um, for sure. For um, sure. And you can yeah. tell a big difference from match to match, right? Like, all of a sudden, yeah. you see this match, and you're like, wow, that's amazing. And then you see other matches and you're like, mm, not so much. And some of those like not so much wrestlers are like the most over wrestlers with the, the live fans. So it's because one of those it fits that mud show, not mud show, but the outlaw part. It's like, it's like Sandman, right? Like Sandman was one of the right. most over, but he's garbage in the ring. Like that was known. Exactly. And that's my only thing that, that I'm ever, I could really say negative i guess about gcw is like there are a lot of people i I think would kill it for gcw and would have way better matches yeah but they're really loyal to certain guys and girls and stuff that like you know but once again like they do what is gonna what they think is gonna get them the the most business so i you know i understand that too well and honestly dude i think i think after that nick gage nick gage cardona match i think they're gonna be getting some buzz man I really do. Like, I think yeah, they're going to have to build match. a gauge in Moxley. Well, and if you look at the, the tickets, the tickets for that event is a hundred dollars for front row. Like that's pretty expensive for a independent show. So they, they really like second row is like 75. Like they really are building that show. And those are ones where like, you got to be careful too. Cause like, it's also totally possible that halfway through the first match, all the chairs are just knocked all over the place. And like, yep. then, you know what I mean? Like your hundred dollar seat really didn't matter. Nothing. Cause I was just kind of standing around. You're standing yeah. room only. <laughs> yeah. But I don't think they care. They got your money. You're good. You yeah, know? exactly. And for you'll sure. go, you'll go home happy. I mean, they're going right. to kill themselves for you. So <laughs> yeah. it's, it's definitely one of those types of shows for sure. All right, so let's get into UFC. Um, thank you guys for hanging in with us. If you haven't, please hit a like button for this. I hope the lagging part stopped. Um, and if you guys can support the channel, uh, send in super chats. We definitely appreciate it. Um, we're going to talk about the UFC and give our thoughts and predictions. Um, honest, Obviously, this is a big card because Connor is fighting, but I'm going to be honest with you, man. Like, I just have a hard time viewing Connor the same way after these losses. Like to me, you've got a guy that's barely hanging on to his career and we're acting like that. This is the biggest fight of the year. I feel like he's barely hanging on his career though. Connor. Yeah. I think if he loses, he's quitting. If he loses, he'll just fight Nate again. I don't think so. I think he's, I think he's going to quit. 
I think this is it. He his ego can't handle him, like, especially if he loses, like gets knocked out. I think he's just going to quit. I I really do. And part of me that thinks about it too, honestly, I think if Dustin gets knocked out, I wouldn't be surprised if he retires because he sounds like a guy that's kind of over this. He's over this game, the politics, the whole nine. And it's like, if he loses, then that title shot is gone. The money that he was making is not the same. I just don't see him lasting much longer for this. And so there's a big reason why he took the fight instead of the title fight. I think he's going to be that Nate Diaz type where like, if you want to, you want me, then you call me, but you're going to have to pay me and I'm not fighting for what I used to make. That's what he will be. And you know how that goes in the UFC. Yeah, I have no problem with that, though. For a guy like Dustin, who's put in as many years as he has. Oh, like, I think he deserves it. He earns yeah. it. But that doesn't mean the UFC is going to pay him. No, for sure. But, I mean, he he's – I mean, and that's the thing. And that's what sucks about, like, the UFC I, – I, I'm not, like, super anti-UFC when it comes to, like, their contracts. But I do sympathize for the fighters also. Mm-hmm. Because the, the problem that – that keeps happening for someone like Dustin Poirier, great example, is like his value has increased significantly for every one of his fights in the last like probably four or five times he's fought. Like, so it's one of those things where like, it's like if you have to sign the, th- this is just hypothetical or whatever, but like if you have to sign like a three fight deal because that's all the company's offering you, if they're not gonna like keep, if they're not gonna offer you one fight deals, they're gonna keep offering you three fight deals or whatever, or five fight deals. Like, of course you sign because like you want to get back in the octagon and fight, but yeah. like, but then if you fight and you win, and especially if you share the octagon with someone like Conor McGregor, like <clears throat> you're going to want more money than what you signed for to get back in there because you, you have increased your value so much. And now that you're in this weird position where the company's like, well, you signed for this much and you're going, I know, but like it was not signed. It was, it was either that or not signed at all. And now I'm worth a lot more than I was the last time I fought. So like, this has to be fair for me. So like, and, and Dustin's been in that boat for a while now. Dustin's been in that boat pretty much since before he fought Habib. Like, and where he started getting to a position where he's kept renegotiating every one of his fights. Um, There's the same thing that Connor and Nate do. I mean, it's it's one of those things where like, Mm -hmm. you know, people seem to give a lot of crap to like, Connor and Nate and those guys because of that, you know, they take forever to sign on the dotted line and they renegotiate and renegotiate, blah, blah. Doesn't Poirier does the same thing. There, there's, pl- there's plenty, of, not plenty, but there are fighters in that, in that upper echelon let's, of let's stars. See what usually happens, they get a taste of it. And then it's like, they never go back to being just a fighter that just says yes to everything anymore. Right. Like I remember when Khabib won the title and I was like, finally we're over the BS. Like that we're going to have, you know, the defending champion. He's going to defend the title all the time. And it, no, it just became the same thing. Like, no, not if I take that fight. No, I don't want that. No, they're going to have to pay me this. It's like, oh my God, does it ever end? But it's like, once these guys get that real money, they completely change their perspective on the fight game. But back to Connor, like, here's my problem with Connor. At this point, if Connor gets rocked in that fight, he's going to lose. Like he 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 gives up in there. It's really starting to show. Like when he's in trouble, he does not bounce back anymore. And so, if he gets, if, but if, on, if but you're only basing that off 
just that loss to Dustin. No, and like you, and what I'm, I'm doing the Nate fight too. As soon he won as the rematch. The, yeah, but as soon as he got the choke in, I mean, he didn't even fight it; just tapped. Yeah, and then and then the Khabib fight. He was he was like, ah, nope, filled the crank. I'm done. And then Dustin, like he's winning the fight, and then he gets rocked, and then he's not recovering, and then he's done. And I just feel the same way. I I don't feel like he has that same killer instinct that he used to have. And this is another thing that I'm really picking up on. He is trying to act like the old Conor McGregor, and he is not the old Conor McGregor anymore. Right. So I'm he's with you there. Yeah. He, he he he's trying to act like he hates Dustin. He showed that picture of Dustin's <laughs> uh, wife DM in him. But here's yeah. my thing: at the end of the day, like, there's no effect that you can say. I'm gonna knock him on his. I'm gonna knock out his pee head or whatever. You got your ass knocked out. He he has the one up on you. So you can go in that press. Well, conference he knocked and, out Dustin in the first fight too. Like we got yeah, there. Like I mean, I, I get that, but Dustin is a completely different fighter at this point. True. And like Dustin was losing to way lesser guys back then as well. So it's it's Dustin had to change weight classes to find the fighter that he needed to be. But to me, I really don't feel like Connor is in this game anymore. I think he's playing like he wants to be in this game. But I, the moment that he feels some real heat, he's out. He's out of there. Yeah, I I mean, I and, – and you kind of talked about it a second ago too. Like, you know, Connor, I think, won the first round of yep. their last fight. And he but, hurt him. He hurt him. He yeah. hit him with a really solid shot that was like, whoa, that wobbled him and, and made him definitely feel his legs go go out. Yeah. And, but he didn't capitalize on it after that. Yeah. What's what what I'm looking forward to in this one is like because you know obviously Connor has trained a lot to not let the leg kicks affect him like it did in the rematch. Yeah. But you also know that Dustin knows that. So like yep. Dustin's game plan isn't probably gonna be to kick Connor's legs. It's gonna be well, I could probably kick him the legs like I did last time, but he's expecting that. So I'm going to have this other game plan because he's going to be looking to check leg kicks. Yeah. And so it's going to be interesting to see kind of like the mental game of chess they play to see like, because for instance, like does Dustin go for a takedown? Because if he does, he might be able to get him on the ground. And like that might be a bad day for Connor. Um, oh, it's going to be a bad day for Connor. And I don't know how you train with the guys that you train with. Um, the, what's... What's the annoying guy that's really great at jujitsu? Oh, Dylan Danis. Yeah, Dylan Danis. Like, how do you train with Dylan Danis and not elevate your jujitsu game? You know what I mean? Like, I, there's just. I don't certain, think he's. Yeah, I, just, I look just, at it totally different with Connor. I don't I, think I, he cares about like getting better at jujitsu. Yeah, at but that's my thing. Is it, it, he didn't need to, right? Like, he just could just hit somebody with the with his with his power and they go out. If, if that doesn't happen and all of a sudden he gets rocked, it's over. He's not going to be in a big, long battle, in my opinion. I don't I don't see Connor in wars anymore. I just see Connor going for it. If it doesn't work out, peace out. I'm done. Yeah, which is, I mean, but that's just kind of like whatever his prerogative is at this point. Like, I don't, I don't really fault I'm him not for that blaming, either. I'm not either. Yeah. I'm just saying don't expect. Like, people are making it out like biggest fight of the year and blah, blah. Like, 
it's not. He's 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 a guy that's barely hanging on to contendership, and we're we're making it out like this huge deal. He got knocked on his ass by Dustin Poirier and got lit up, broken down. And that's the thing: if he's just going to stand in there and trade with Dustin, and things don't go his way, it's going to go bad. If it goes his way, if he can get Dustin out of there in the first round, maybe early second, then Connor will be fine. But the moment that he feels real heat, I think he's out. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I you're probably right about that. It's just it's it's a good fight. Like I I think that both guys are gonna want to stand and bang. Like I really think there's gonna be a level of like Dustin's he, gonna want to prove he can knock him out again and yeah, you know. But see, to me, like Dustin, Dustin acts like beating Connor isn't that big of a deal. Like he's just kind of like he, it, it's big for his career, but it's not like he's lost in this moment and he looks at Connor and like, oh, the iconic Connor McGregor. He's just like, sure. it's the guy. I've already beat him, so what? Like he's very comfortable with fighting Connor McGregor. He's very comfortable going in into that atmosphere. He has so much experience now. I just don't see this really. The only thing that I think will be a huge thing for Connor is the crowd. I think yeah. that that is going to be a massive difference that you're not just fighting Connor, you're fighting the entire crowd. So I think that that will be a big, big part of it. But I, I mean, I'm looking forward to the fight. Don't get me wrong, but I just, I'm, I'm almost I'm almost over Connor just dominating this this MMA game when like he hasn't sh- he's lost four of his last five. I mean that's that to me that is that is crazy that we're talking about him in this way. I mean I just kind of look at it for what it is. Like he's he's like he's an attraction. You know what I mean? Like it's oh yeah. Like he's comes in. The company makes a lot of money. He makes a lot of money. His opponent makes a lot of money. And then he pieces out until he's able to do that again, win or lose. Thanks for the cheese. Um, yeah. But there's nothing wrong with that. Like he is the biggest draw in the company still. It's um, very, it's very De La Hoya like in boxing, where it was like, didn't matter if Oscar was champion, didn't matter what was going on, you know, he he just did his he he would just show up and if it was an Oscar fight, it was a big event. And just for the record, he's three and three in his last six. Connor, okay, he's not. He, which is you're counting. The, I being. think I think they're counting the Floyd fight too, from what Uh-oh. I heard. So it's just Connor went from such a level of dominance to beating guys like Max Holloway and Jose Aldo and Eddie Alvarez and all that. Like I don't see that guy anymore. Like th- th- I think I think Connor peaked at Eddie Alvarez. Like we we will never see that type of Connor again, in my opinion. Yeah, probably not. Like that was probably him at his at his best. Um, I still think he knocks out Dustin on Saturday, so I, I am I am taking him to win. I if if he doesn't get, I feel like if he doesn't get kicked in the legs in that, I think he might fight, try to kick Dustin in the legs. Like, might, I don't know. It. And I think Dustin is like a better all round fighter. And I'm a big, I'm a huge fan of both guys. Like, yeah. it's not like I'm, I mean, it, this is honestly as close to like a 50 50 coin flip as you can get as far as like for a prediction for me. But I'm 60 40, Dustin. Yeah, that's, that's understandable. Like, yeah. You know, and I honestly think that win or like the winner fights for the title, the loser fights Nate Diaz. Like, everyone keeps making money. 
So, and but but yeah. both but both lose to Charles Oliveira. Yeah. Although, man, when I saw Chandler hit Oliveira, like if Connor hit Oliveira like that, that that could be it. That could be all she wrote. So I, I don't true. know. I don't know. But I mean, if Oliveira gets Connor on the ground, pff, bye. Yeah, any of these guys. Like we saw what happened with Habib and Dustin on the ground. Like imagine yep. Oliveira with him on the ground. Like there's yep. like Oliveira. And then also Oliveira on the feet. He knocked out yep. um, Michael Chandler. I mean, like, Destroyed I, Tony Ferguson, like yeah. no problems. I mean, yeah, he's he's definitely the the, the number one guy. Um, and, and here's the thing: I'll just say this real quick. Dustin Dustin Poirier, like he was given the option: fight for the title or fight Connor. Like straight up, could fight either person. Totally up to him. Yeah. And he, I think I heard him quoted as saying something like, "He'll make like seven times the amount of money to fight yep. Connor as he would." Uh, Oliveira for the title so like he's getting no he's brainer. getting pay-per-view points for this and he right. wasn't going to get pay-per-view points for fighting Oliveira that's a huge part it's huge so yeah and it, it's a much more winnable fight for him like it makes way more sense to and like, if he wins he's going to get the shot anyways exactly so just keep getting paid and then get the title and like I said, um, if he loses, you can do him and Nate and that's a huge fight that was supposed to happen that we never got before like and they'll make a bunch of money yeah, Nate is such a lovable like the the fans love both guys so much. That's why it draws so much every time. Um, Connor going to boxing set him back. Game keeps evolving because of his inactivity. He's playing catch up. Yeah, I agree. Like Connor used to have a karate stance and he used to use kicks a lot. And when he tried to fight Dustin, he was mainly just trying to box him, and it did not go well. So, um, I mean, it wasn't awful. He did hurt him. It's just. Con like like when Connor fought Cowboy, I mean it was just shoulder shoulder kick to the head, like just <laughs> destroyed him. Destroyed him, right? And and maybe that's what he tries to do to Dustin. I don't know, but um, it, it'll be interesting. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it because that's the thing. Like, I just don't. I just appreciate Connor for what it what he is at this point. Like, it's yeah. You, I, I'm I'm not I, like listen. Connor in the fight game is is fun no matter what, and you don't want him to go away. I, I just I just don't view him as the same. I don't get sure. as pumped because I just it, it's it's hard when you got a guy that was just winning nonstop and beating everybody and predicting how he was going to do it to just start losing. And and not only that, in my opinion, not even really trying to put up a fight when he was in danger, like just yeah. accepting defeat. And that to me feels like. You're just happy to cash out. He's getting the guaranteed money. He doesn't have a win bonus attached to his his pay at all. So right, you um, know. But also to be fair, like you know that when they're both in that octagon and and Bruce Buffer is doing the intros, you're going to be hyped up. Like oh for sure. Like yeah, I mean, I'll be nervous. <laughs> yeah. I'll be like almost probably ready to throw up. Like it, yeah. it for sure. Since Conor McGregor seems motivated again to get the win again, I feel like he is going to beat Dustin considering he will have a new game plan and Dustin's chin wouldn't hold up against Conor's power. And that's very that very well could be, right? But I, I really feel like a lot of this is – and I feel like this is going to be the story that's going to be told over and over again, right? Like, Conor wasn't taking it seriously and now Conor's coming with the vengeance and the real Conor McGregor – Last time they got along, he was friends with them. Now they hate each other. And, like, that's the story they're going to push. 
And it's kind of like this. It reminds me of like when uh, the UFC was like, well, Rich Franklin didn't really train for Anderson Silva right. like he should have. Like he, but now the real Rich Franklin's coming at Anderson Silva. Wow. Yeah, <laughs> have fun with your broken nose and your shattered jaw, and you know, like that. That's what I'm saying. Like I'm just trying to, I'm trying to kill the wolf tickets here. Like yeah. these, these guys. Connor is not at such a above level over Dustin Poirier. They're damn near equal, and it's going to be a fight. And if a motivated Connor that really wants to win comes in, then yeah, we're in for a hell of a fight. But if it's a guy that's just going to throw caution to the wind to try to get him out of there, and if it doesn't work and he's just going to bounce, like I could see that happening as well. I, if Connor wins, he'll probably grab a microphone and call it Habib. Like I bet you like oh, anything God. because 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 he I promise you he doesn't want to fight Oliveira and like yeah. he doesn't want to he doesn't want to fight Habib either but like he'll make so much money in a fight that like everyone expects him to lose against Habib that yeah. like you know what I'm saying like it would especially if he like knocks Dustin out in like two minutes oh yeah yeah, yeah it's happening yeah. And then Khabib um, will be like, I talked to my mom. She said it's okay. I come yeah. back. I fight him. <laughs> and Dana's Dana's like, just like. God. Yeah. And Henderson Hudo sitting there at home like. <laughs> right? What about me, dude? No I'll one fight, cares that I retired. Like, I'll fight Moreno. Yeah. Well, it's so funny because like, like, if there was any part of Cejudo's game plan that like he was expecting to like retire and that was gonna like get him more leverage with the company it did not work the exact at all. opposite Dana's <laughs> like eating a sandwich being like oh is he is he saying he's coming back oh that's funny that's cute anyways we got fighters that actually are with the company that we <laughs> want to talk about like just yeah not even acknowledging it yeah um what's that say Fight motivated him again and getting knocked out might have woken him up again, but we'll see. I mean, yeah, I mean, I think he says that and stuff, but there's there's part of me that's already read into some of the stuff like when he was at the press conference and it didn't hurt him as bad as he thought it would, and he's okay. And like it's just he seems mentally checked out. Like, and he just sold his his whiskey brand for like $63 million, and he has all this money and like he wants revenge. Don't get me wrong. He absolutely wants revenge. And I do think that that is a motivating factor for a guy like Conor McGregor. Like I do think his ego is, does mean something to him and he does want to avenge a loss, but I'm just not sold that he can do it. Yeah. I, like I said, I think it's a 50, 50 coin flip. I just think that I just think that Conor, cause that's another thing motivation wise and stuff don't know where he's at like career wise, but I also don't think he wants to lose a rematch. Like we haven't seen that happen yet with him. So like, that's a good point. You know? So I think the pride there might be something. Also too. when, whenever you go down in the fighter history and you look at a trilogy, you want to win that trilogy. Right. So sure. I think that that's definitely a, an important point too. So we'll see what happens. Yeah. Um, the rest of the card uh, you know, Comain, Gilbert Burns, and Stephen Wonderboy Thompson. That's a good fight. We're like the winner. The, because of the way the division is set up right now, it'll be interesting because I think if Wonderboy wins, he might actually get a title shot. Like, because, you know, you have Usman as the champion, then you have Colby as number one, and they're supposed to fight each other. Yeah, hold on about that. 
Uh-huh. Why is Usman or why is Jorge Masvidal's manager saying they'll either fight Colby or Nick Diaz in October or November? Why is Colby's name even in that? I don't know if I don't know if they've actually signed Colby. And they Usman haven't. Right. They so, haven't. But Dana keeps saying he's next. But when you see Ali, like he's adamantly against making this fight happen, and Usman doesn't seem like he's about it either. And so it's like, dude, are we really gonna go through this? And What's going to piss me off is they're going to do the Colby Masvidal fight instead. And that's a fight that I've absolutely been dying to see. But, dude, give me Nick Diaz and Jorge Masvidal. Yes. Like, yes. that is the fight. I need that fight in my veins. Yeah, that's just unquestionable. Don't even like, don't have to talk about it or sell me on it at all. Like, just sign that fight. Nick Diaz, Jorge Masvidal, just do that. Um, but yeah, I mean that's the thing with welterweight though. It's like you have you have Colby at number one, who Usman's already beat. You have uh, Burns, I think, underneath him, who who Usman's already beat. You have Edwards under him, who he's beaten, but not with the title on the line. Right. Uh, but he has beaten him, and then after that is Wonderboy. So it's like Wonderboy hasn't fought Usman before. So this is like. This is a situation where, like, I'm taking Wonder. Like, I think Gilbert Burns is probably the better overall, more well-rounded fighter with more ways to win. Yeah. But I think Stephen Thompson's got to be looking at this fight as a way of, like, you know, fought Tyron Woodley to a draw for the title. Like, you cannot get any closer to winning that championship belt than he did without winning it. Then the the rematch, everyone just hated, and you figure Wonder Boy will never get another crack at this championship ever again for the rest of his career. Yeah. And now he's in a position where, like, if he wins this fight, especially impressively, especially because it's on a Dustin versus Connor card, similar yeah. to Michael Chandler knocking out Dan Hooker yep. in front of everybody and jump at the line, yep. like, Wonder Boy has to know, like, this is your chance. Like, if you were ever going to get another shot at this title belt, like, you've got to be impressive on this show. And um, I, that's why I'm taking Wonder Boy for the win. But, like, what do you think? Because I think it's a really good matchup between him and Burns. The, the the one thing that sticks out to me is Burns cracking Usman and rocking him. Yeah, so it's power. like that he could hurt Wonder Boy. Um, he's also very well rounded, but Wonder Boy is extremely hard to hit. I think if one, I think Wonder Boy has to win in impressive fashion. Like if he knocks Burns out with like a head kick or something, then I think that he really can move his way up to the title, especially. If Colby's giving him BS, if Leon Edwards is giving the company BS, they'll just be like, okay, Wonder Boy and Usman. And honestly, that's a pretty interesting fight because Usman likes to stand and bang. Wonder Boy is confusing. And Wonder Boy's fought Woodley in his prime, and he knows what it's like to fight a wrestler, mixed striker, or whatever. Um, I think Usman is a better Woodley, but I do think that Woodley was in his prime, maybe like a poor man's Usman. So he is used to that style of fight. Uh, so I I don't know. I'm gonna pick Wonder Boy, but I wouldn't be surprised if Gilbert Burns wins. Also, like I, the 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 thing with Gilbert Burns is is he kind of came out of nowhere for me. Like I didn't really pay much attention to him, and then he beat Woodley and destroyed him. And then it was like, oh, he's getting a title shot. So I kind of want to see him fight like a guy like Stephen Wonder Boy and just kind of see where he's at. So. Yeah, and he was also kind of a product of circumstance for getting the shot when he did yep. too because, like, COVID and Edwards yep. couldn't fight and the whole deal. And that's the other thing about Leon Edwards is, like, 
I, I had said it before he even fought Bilal Muhammad that like Edwards, in my opinion, had done enough for a title shot already. He'd beat a whole right. bunch of people in a row. Like he he has a style that's very dangerous to everyone in the division. And but then it's like the Bilal Muhammad fight was like the the thumb to the eye or whatever. Yep. Like it was just like nothing. And then the last time we saw him, he was getting his ass kicked in the fifth round yep. against Nate. So it's like I still think he deserves a title shot, but yeah, like I understand, hard sell. I understand the hard sell aspect of it too. Versus if like Wonder Boy goes in there, head kick KOs Burns on the co-main event of a Connor show, it's like your people are gonna want that, you know. So well, and Usman would be all about fighting Wonder Boy over Colby, like, and so yeah. and, and Colby will be difficult to deal with, and so yeah, I don't know. I just, man, I just give me Nick Diaz and Jorge Masvidal. That's the fight to make. So well, that's another thing for Connor is like, there's also the possibility of him fighting Nick. Maybe it's, like, oh, like, like you know, I there's mean, please, yeah. please, because that's the thing for Connor. There's a lot of people that think like he'd be, he could be done, and like it's all going to be up to him. Like depending on you know how much more money he wants to make, you know, but. That's the thing is like there are still those fights out there. Like I know. think I think honestly, Connor, he has an ego and he wants to be the king of the game. But like if he starts to just consistently lose, I don't really think he's gonna fight for money. Cause I think he can do other things for money. Right. So I think that he would just leave the sport and just be like, you know, and, and sometimes like that's what it is, right? It's you catch Lightning in a bottle, you have this amazing streak for a while, and then once it's over, it's over, and you never regain it back. I've seen it. It's like Tito Ortiz, for example. Like, when, like, fighting, it hardly ever even happens. Right. You know? Like, so so once you've hit that peak and then you fall off, it doesn't come back. So we'll, we'll see what happens. But they're going to keep him around for – I just hope we don't ever get to a point where Connor's, like, not even the co-main event or main event. You know what I never, mean? That will never like, happen. Like a BJ Penn type scenario. Yes. That'll never happen. That'll like, never happen. Please no. You know what I mean? Yeah. The only way it would happen is if he went rogue and, like, started his own promotion and was, like, fighting on it against, like, cans or something and, like, you know, that kind of scenario. But that will not happen in the UFC. Um, they won't allow that to but happen. Honestly, dude, like, him and Jake Paul could be bonkers money-wise. I, yeah, I would love that. Like I, I, I think that 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 actually could happen if he loses this fight. I mean, if I was Connor, that's what I'd be pitching. Like that's what I'd be going for because like well, that's so Paul much less of a yeah. Well, that's so much less that you got to deal with. Like no, for training sure. wise and and even just like the the threat of injury during the fight and stuff. So, I mean, like yeah, that's fight a YouTuber or fight you know the most dangerous guy in, in fighting. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, I'll take the YouTuber if I'm Connor for sure. And you're going to make more money too, to fight him. Yep. Um, and then also on the show as we kind of <laughs> wrap it up, we got about 10 minutes or so. Yeah. Um, tai Chi of Austin, Greg Hardy. That I think be... this is a really good test for Greg Hardy to see where he's at. Cause Ty will stand with him. Yeah. And Greg will stand with him and we'll see how it goes. You know what I mean? Yeah, and and this is clearly like this is on the show where it's at. It's the third fight from the top because like they're expecting a knockout. Like someone's yes. getting knocked out in this one. Um, and I and the way I look at it is like I think Greg Hardy might be able to land first, maybe because like Greg yeah. Hardy is very quick, very athletic, very right. powerful. But I think Tai Tuivasa is way more likely to to string together like a solid combo or something. Yeah, and. I think it's going to be over in the first round, regardless of who wins. Like, this is yeah. going to be just 
two guys swinging for the fences. And I just think Tuivasa, and he has way more experience and stuff. So I just, I got to go with Tuivasa. And, and obviously he'll probably do the shoey if he wins with the live crowd there. And, you know, everyone will right. want to see that. Um, who do you have as your prediction though? You got Tuivasa or Hardy? It's a winnable fight for both. It's a tough one. To it's call tough. Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna lean I'm I'm gonna go with Greg Hardy. Yeah, he was really my biggest thing for Greg Hardy, where I realized like, because it still feels like it's so much of an experiment, but he's been there long enough now that yeah. like he's just another one of the fighters basically at this right. point. But for like sure. when he went three full rounds with Alexander Volkov, yep. I was like, that's regardless of how you feel about the guy on a personal level, like that is impressive to be that early in your MMA career and go three rounds with a guy as, as good as Alexander Volkov. Well, so, he just lost to what Tiberian or whatever. I mean, uh, like Morrison Tibera. Yeah. Yeah. Like he's, he's, he's good. So yeah. like he's been a role. So it's not like Greg's losing to bums. For sure. So I, I think they're, they're pretty equal. And I, like I said, they're both going to be willing to strike. So we'll see what happens. But, um, I think Greg's. I think Greg learned a lot from that loss, and uh, I, I, I don't know. I think he's gonna win. Yeah, that, that should be good. I mean, can you please tell me out. why the return of Misha Tate is not on this card? Um, when is it? Is on the this it's next like the seventeenth or something? Is she like, the main event? Yes, but no crowd. Like coming back, like she should be on this card. Yeah. That'd have been cool. I mean, they got a pretty stacked hard though, to be fair. No, like, I agree. Um, then you got like speaking of women, uh, Irene Aldana and uh, Yana Kuniskaya bantamweight fight, which is you know pretty much it won't be a number one contender fight. I don't, I don't think. You sure. <laughs> well, like there's nothing. Well, so there's Aspen Ladd. That's the reason I say that because uh, well because I because she's beaten Kuniskaya. And she ranks higher than both of these women. So, like, but well, that's how I feel about Jessica Panay or Pena or whatever getting a title shot against against Amanda Nunez. Like, she's ranked you'll like number ten mind. or something. I think you'll change your mind when that press conference hits. Like, yeah, that she's gonna talk her way into having a big fight. Well, she talked her way into the fight itself. I agree, but because... like, wait, wait till Amanda really gets pissed because she's gonna she's gonna go after her. Yeah, well, we'll see. I mean, and that that's the this thing. This is a like, rocky story right here. <laughs> I think Manonita is going to smoke her so fast. Uh, um, I don't know, man. But like, do you dude, remember her? Was she the cyborg? Do you remember her? Like, yeah, but okay. First of all, the cyborg. <laughs> oh, sorry. Fight, oh, sorry. Or anyone else that she's fought lately. But, like, but first of all. But hold on, Raquel Pennington, she went like almost damn near five rounds with. And granted, Raquel Pennington wanted to quit and the corner wouldn't let her. Yeah, that was kind of weird. But (laughs) I'm just saying like there's sometimes where Amanda doesn't always show up as the dominant dominant champion that she can be. And she kind of takes it light. If she does that with Pena, Pena is going to test her cardio. She's going to constantly go for takedowns. And if she gets takedowns, how is Amanda on her back? And and how will she be able to handle that type of pressure? And I mean, Pena, like in the Ultimate Fighter, was pretty damn impressive. Like she's she completely tore her knee to pieces, LCL, ACL, MCL, all tore it. And she's come back. She had a baby. Like she's 
if she, if those things didn't happen, her project she would have she would have gone way further than she did. So if she can go back and turn the clock and be super motivated for one fight, I really think that she has a shot. Yeah, we'll see. I mean, Nunez run out of people. Um, well, and that's the thing too, right? Like you're going to be able to be bumped up in the rankings real quick when there's nobody out there. Well, that's what I'm saying. Like there's like, I think Aldana, Kunis, Kai, and Ladd are all more worthy right now of fighting for the title than, than Pena is. No, but, and I, I agree with that, but I do think that they looked at that thing and they're like, this thing could sell pay-per-views. Like yeah, this thing she, is the- she talked her way into the fight. I mean, straight yep. up. Yeah. Yep. So, um, she created interest and that's, yeah, but so, but the fight, this fight itself, like I think it's number four versus number five, Kunisakai and Aldana. I mean, like I said, I th- I thought this would probably be a number one contender fight if you know Kunisakai hadn't lost to Aspen Ladd in like recent memory, who ranks above both of these women. So, yeah. but I think this is a really good fight. I mean, what this fight could wind up once again being on a Connor card, like you're a lot of eyes. This could wind up being a number one contender fight. Um, I think you got I any have, prediction? I think I have Aldana. Yeah, I mean, that was another coin. That's a great thing about this card. There's a lot of like coin toss fights, like where I it's I really it's really hard to take like a firm stance of like who I think is going to win because it's they're really really close on paper, yeah. uh, except for the opener. That's yeah, basically that's, a squash match. That is to promote the sugar <laughs> show. Yes, that's what that is. One hundred percent. Sean O'Malley versus Chris mutino i think i'm not yeah. sure hey he has he has pink hair and tattoos too so i feel like that they found somebody that like looks kind of similar and they were like let's just do that let's just have fun let's do it for the hype beast audience i guess i i mean and this is clearly nothing not that there's anything wrong with this you know sean o'malley there's been multiple shows where he was supposed to be on a connor card and then like he'd either get hurt or he got popped for like that BS, like steroid suspension or whatever and all that stuff. So like Sean O'Malley's finally getting on a show with Conor McGregor, hopefully, you know, and this is just a big way to, to highlight the sugar show. Like you said, and there's, but here's, here's the thing that makes me just a little nervous for sugar is there's no way he's not going in there trying to make a highlight. Right. And when you're trying to make a highlight, you can make mistakes. Sure. That's it's true. Because I, he knows he's on the Connor card. He knows he's got eyeballs. He's that type of guy, too, that wants to go viral with a big knockout. He's going to go for that. So, And, and it's interesting because, you know, it's supposed to be Louis Smolka as the yeah. opponent. And then, like, all these Bantamweights in, that are already in the UFC were like, I'll fight him. And, like, you have yep. like, this whole line of people that were willing to fight him. And I'm not saying it was Sean or the con. I don't know who made the decision, but they decided to go outside of the company to find this opponent. So it's pretty clear that this is set up to make the sugar show look good. Which, like I said, I think they found somebody that they think could be like a marketable sell where like he looks kind of similar and it could be a fun fight. And so we'll see what happens. But sugar should win. And then uh, we can just just kind of rifle through who you think is going to win these, uh, the rest of the. I'll I'll do most of the rest of these fights. Um, yeah, that's that's a pretty fair bet. Throw ten bucks on him; he's plus five twenty five. Yeah, that's. I mean, I almost he, his his foot could break. Sean's foot could break or something. You just never know. So that's true. I almost put money. I'm glad I didn't because I would have lost. But like the hot dog eating contest on the fourth. Oh, no. Well, because Joey Chestnut. Is, I know he was he's minus your, he's 20, your hero. He's the best, but you know, true American hero. But yeah. but. 
but he he was on the this was the odds and this is how dominant he is he was minus 2500 to mm, win 100 which bucks is, which is I mean, that's a super, you'd have to put twenty five hundred dollars down to win a hundred dollars. Exactly. Yeah. The the rest of the field, it wasn't even like individual people. The other yeah. bet was the rest of the entire field was I think minus twelve hundred. You mean sorry, plus or sorry, plus twelve hundred. Yeah. So so it was wow. like, but but that's how, but he still winds up winning by like thirty hot dogs. So it's like you can't even put that bet on there. Yeah. Oh, sorry, and buns, hot dogs and buns. Like that has to be uh, highlighted. Um, by the way, shout out Joey Chestnut. 76 yeah, hot dogs on the 4th of July. Broke his own record. I mean... American hero. When American... like That's that's one thing I will say is last year COVID happened. Lockdown mm-hmm. happened. All the sports shut down. Yep. All we had last year was Joey Chestnut. And this guy went up there and he was ahead by like 32 hot dogs with like 10 seconds left or whatever. Like he didn't have to keep eating. And sweating and doing the things that he does on stage and probably puking and just shitting his draws just up there on the stage. And this guy, like, he knew that we needed something to cheer for. So he broke his own record last night. He didn't need to eat 75 hot dogs. He could have won with, like, 40 hot dogs. Right. But, but he wanted to break the record for America to give us something to cheer for. And then Thank this God. year... Yep, and then this year, and by the way, the dude who runs the major league eating with the with the straw hat and the microphone, if I ran an in, in any kind of wrestling company of any level, I would make my ring announcers watch the hot dog eating contest. That yeah. is the best hype man. It, he's a professional wrestling hype man. Yeah, I mean, it's like he's so GCW good. GCW might give him a call. He'd be. I will. Well, GCW's already got Emil, but like. But there's but you know you know yeah. how they would do it for like uh like they should have done the backyard event with that guy. Well you know Megabyte Ronnie competed. Okay. Who, who was on MLW or sorry on AEW for a little okay. bit. Uh, he was in the hot dog eating contest up on the stage. Um he saw me tweeting about it and followed me, so thank you, yeah. Ronnie. Um but but anyways, that all that's all uh, yeah, you know. Okay, back to the fights. Um, um let's let's yeah, we're gonna rifle through the picks for the yeah, rest go of these. Ahead. All right. Carlos Condit, Max Griffin. I don't know much about Max Griffin, so I'm just going to pick Condit. Griffin's been around a while. He's won his last two, I think, by knockout. Um, okay. But Condit's also won his last two fights. I think both yeah. by decision. I know Matt Brown was the last one. Um, right. I'm taking I'm taking Condit as well. Um, Nico Price and Michelle Pereira. This is actually the fight. A, that's on, a barn burner. On paper, I'm looking forward to this fight more than any other fight on the card except for the main event. Like yeah. this is on paper. This is this is going to be fun. Nico Price is such a he's such a uh, what do you what do you Mike Perry type guy or whatever. With the well, not in his personal life. No, not at all. <laughs> but like like just like. I love fight, man. Yeah, dog. Like, he punched me in the face harder, and then yeah, you cracked me good. Like they're they're weird. Um, and Michelle oh. Pereira likes to literally flip on people. I, yeah, I mean, yeah. I think I think Pereira is a better fighter, so I'm going to go with him. But Nico Price is a dog, and he'll just be down to fight. But that's going to be bonkers. Yeah, and uh, Nico's coming off that layoff that you know yeah. him and him and Cerrone fought to that draw. Yeah, and then Nico popped for THC, which is just insane that people are still getting in trouble for that. Yeah, but that Olympic girl too, she yeah, just got that's popped. a whole whole other conversation. Um, mm-hmm. but I'm taking Nico. Um, 
I just think that he'll be able to withstand anything Pereira's got for him. And he's also kind of crazy enough himself that he might kind of know how to deal with a guy like Pereira. I wouldn't but, be surprised if he starts doing flips and cartwheels too, like just to go crazy with it. Yeah, I, I remember, do you remember Nico Price? Um, I think it was when he fought James Vick when he knocked him out with that uh, with the up kick from the yeah. ground. I mean, yeah. like anytime someone does that, that catches my attention. So yeah. Um, but yeah, so I'm taking Nico Price. You got Michelle Pereira. Uh, after that, we got Ryan Hall, uh, who fights so infrequently, but like has so much potential to be like a really, really massive problem featherweight. Be, um, um, jiu-jitsu guy, right? Taps everybody out. Tapped out BJ Penn. Yep. Yep. Um, he's fighting Ilya Taporia, who I don't know. Ryan Hall. Let's go. Yeah. Um, but I think I like I think was undefeated, like ten mm. and zero or something. But, um, but yeah, I'm taking Ryan Hall as well. Um, I don't know if you know uh, Drakus Duplacis or Trevin Giles. Giles has fought a little bit lately. I heard there. Giles, but um, um, yeah, hard to make a prediction on that. I, I actually think I took Duplacis. Just I'm really on, bummed like, the Kevin Lee fight got canceled. I was looking forward to that because he was facing a guy uh, undefeated. That would have been good, but yeah, whatever. Sean Brady, yeah. Um, and then we there's four more fights, but I'm only gonna ask you about two of them because I okay. don't think the others were. But, um, you got Jennifer Maya versus Jessica I. That's a pretty good fight at flyweight. I'm going Maya, I'm going Maya as well. I think she's more well rounded, especially if it goes to the ground. Yeah. Um, and then uh, Omari Akhmedov versus Brad Tavares at middleweight. Tavares. I'm gonna. I that's a tough one to call. I'm gonna take Ogmedov, but that's strictly because I think it, like if he can get Tavares to the ground, I think it's gonna be a, a good fight for him. But Tavares is a guy who has fought like everybody. If I, yeah, if I pulled up his record, it's gonna be. I actually looked at his record earlier today for another show, yeah. and it was like it was like. Well, I'm gonna pull it up right now just for the sake of the listeners right now, just to give you an idea of the guys that some of the guys that Brad Tavares has fought throughout his career. Um, Phil Baroni. Who's still who's still <sighs> doing uh independent pro wrestling, um, which you need to watch that by the way. Phil Baroni versus oh um, my god that ICW match. You're yeah, about? yeah, yeah. It. Versus Justin Kyle. Justin How Kyle came out. It? it was good. Justin oh. Kyle came out to Sandstorm doing like the Vandalay yeah. tribute. It was awesome. Um, but did yeah, he fought. Did, like, do they use like glass tubes and stuff? No, that was just like a MMA fight, basically. Oh, okay, uh, fight. Um. Oh God! Uh, and then, so like, yeah. He, so, just for example, Brad Tavares has shared the the ring and or octagon with Phil Baroni, Lawrence Larkin, Yola Romero, Tim Bosch, Nate Marquardt, Robert wow. Whitaker, uh, <laughs> Israel Adesanya, Edmund Shabazian. I mean, yeah. like, he has fought. He has fought everyone. Um, yeah. So he's he's hard to pick against. Like, I remember actually predicting him to beat Israel Adesanya before their fight. Like, because I thought it was yeah, too much the, of a step yeah, up. Yeah, that was the Izzy. story. Like, it was just too much, and Izzy dominated him. And then that was when it was kind of like, okay, it's time to really push Izzy. Exactly. Um. But, so, yeah, that that's a good fight. And uh, this is a really good show. Really good, really good card. I'll be doing yeah. the, uh, the Fightful Watch Along for anybody who – uh, is watching this right now. It'll be me and I think Jeremy Lambert, who was also one of the guys I work with at Fightful. And I'd imagine Sean Rossap will probably jump in with us. I would think so. But, it's a big fight. Yeah. So if y'all want to watch that, we'll just be hanging out. And that's on uh, – it, it airs multiple places. But you can watch live on YouTube at Fightful 
or at Fightful MMA. And then it also goes up on like Facebook and Twitter and all that stuff too. So, um, so yeah, feel free to watch that. And uh, I'm looking forward to the pay-per-view. I, I'm Conor McGregor. We got to enjoy him while we can. Biggest star in the history of the sport. At least yeah, I've never, never seen anything like it. Never. Yeah. So don't know if we'll ever get anyone else in the future who's going to be as, as you know, famous, I guess is really the best word. Like yeah, from, never strictly know. from fighting like that. But yeah, um, it was such yeah. a, such a crazy fast. I mean, yeah. I've been watching the sport for 20 years and I've never seen anything like Connor. Like, like Rhonda was the second closest and she yeah. was like levels below what Connor. But it was like, it was like with Rhonda, it was like strike force, right? Like they built her up and then the UFC just kind of inherited that. And right. Connor was just like, talking on the MMA hour and got enough buzz to get on the prelims. And then it was just like to the moon, like gone. So for sure. Um, real quick, uh, jogging King wants to know if I'm going to watch black widow, black widow. I'll probably watch on Disney plus. I'm not going to go to the movie theater for it. Um, and just to recap. So we've got dynamite this week. And it's actually in Miami. It's not in Daly's place anymore. So we have we're back to Wednesday nights, and we have them touring again. So that should be a really good show. Um, and then Friday is GCW. You can order that on Fight, and you can see me mark out in the crowd because it's a very small venue. So I'll definitely be shown at some point. Um, and then you can watch the other GCW show in Dallas on fight, but, but you're going to be watching the UFC with, uh, Connor versus Dustin Poirier. So you can go back and watch that one on fight. If you wanted to the GCW show and then Sunday is ring of honor. So this is really what ending the pandemic has been about is having multiple shows and different experiences and having a full weekend full of stuff. And so really enjoy this weekend, guys. It's going to be a lot of fun. We've made it through the hard times and and we're here now to, to really get our fix. So it's been great. And uh, yeah, um, please like this video, subscribe, all that good stuff. Um, and comment below, comment below, please do. Just tell me what you guys like what we talk about. Tell me what you don't like. And uh, just kind of get a more general idea of what you guys are interested in. And uh, I really appreciate you guys being here and we'll catch you yeah. next week. Yeah. And make sure like, let us know in the comments. Like, do you want more Dave and Buster's talk? We'll be there tomorrow. Let us know. Dave and yeah. Buster's in the comments. Dave and Go. Buster's fast and furious three ninjas. Uh, your favorite top five matches. We, we cover it all. So we'll talk to you guys later. <laughs>